Let's give her. Welcome into Jets Nation Radio. I'm Goose. Uh, joined today by a very special guest, uh, the guy, one of the guys behind Oilers Nation. But before I get to Wanye Gratz, got to shout out the guys over at Betway. So if you're in Ontario, if you're my one Ontario listener, please bet with Betway. If you're 19 plus, make some wise bets, uh, play responsibly and go check out Betway. Wanye Gratz, how's it going? Why do they call you Goose Goose? Uh, it has been my nickname since day two of life. Uh, my uncle was just like, you're Goose. So... You know, rolling in with Jets Nation, I was like, hey, there's a movie called Top Gun. I should do that. And then, yeah. Is it a nod to Top Gun? No, I don't. Uh, his thing was, um, oh, what the hell, of uh, the Philadelphia Phillies mascot or something. I don't really know. He just gave me the nickname. nickname the Phil- when I was you don't baby. know your own origin story, Goose? Come on. Yeah, I know. It's a rookie. Um, also, you had mentioned you didn't want to use your government name, but your government name right. showing up on the screen here. So... Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know how to change that for you. Uh, can uh, we, we can restart get somebody this. to remove it? Uh, how do I do that? Yeah, so let's see. Uh, Good up eyes, Goose. That's yeah. why you're a fucking pilot. Can we <laughs> yeah, take like, it out in post-production? Uh, no. Rename. Huzzah. We're going to start this bad boy over again. And you're going to be Wanye. Good thinking. All right, uh, and uh, I'm just going to send you a brand new link, and then we'll uh, get this bitch. Actually, I lied. And restart. Welcome into Jets Nation Radio. I'm Goose, uh, joined today by the co-creator of Oilers Nation, Wanye Gretz. Before I get to him, we are going to shout out my good friends at Betway. If you are my one Ontario listener, check out Betway. See what kind of odds you can get on the Jets. I mean... Plus fifty or plus five thousand on the Jets to win the cup. You want to get in on that? I mean, the Jets are taking on the LA Kings. There's some good odds on all of that. So check it out. Nineteen plus in Ontario. Betway. Wanye, how's it going? You want to change your life? You want to change your life, Ontario listener? Bet it all on the Jets to win the cup. Oh, it's going to be a guaranteed win. After the lock uh, of the week, it is hundred percent. I mean, two weeks ago, I was telling everyone the Oilers are going to win the cup, but uh, that guy did not know what he's talking about. No, we wrote that this season off already. We are uh, in the fail for Bedard race. Even though he was drafted last year, we're still going to tank this year to make sure perhaps we can somehow get him. That's our game plan. Yeah, you can have uh, Connor and Connor Jr. Yeah, yeah, Pepsi and Pepsi Max. We call uh, Connor Bedard Pepsi Max because he's not quite Pepsi, but he's given Max effort. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's fun to watch too, but not nearly as fun as that McDavid guy in Edmonton. Well, I think he's the poor guy, especially having the same name as McDavid. Like, that's an unfair uh, expectation. But I think he's a truly special player. I don't think he's going to be, like, Patrick Kane-level awesome, even though Patrick Kane's an unbelievable player. I think he's going to be even better than that. Yeah. Oh, I've, we've talk, we talk about it all the time here at uh, the radio station I work at because we do stuff with Sportsnet, and they're like, Angus, what do you think of Bedard? I'm like, in five years, we're going to hate this guy so much because he's going to win, yeah. like, six Stanley Cups. It's going to be unreal. He's got the empty eyes of a guy who's got laser beams for like shots. You know what I mean? Like when you look at him, you're like, what is this? What am I looking at here? He's never had junk food in his life. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> is he in That's- a death cult? What's the matter with him? And then you see him on the ice. You're like, oh, I see. He's got like moves I've never seen people do before. Yeah. It's crazy. I remember, you know, back in 2015, we we're talking, well, McDavid's doing stuff we've never seen before either. McDavid is. I mean, we're very, very lucky here in Edmonton to have Connor. And if there's ever an annoying fan base in Canada that deserved Connor McDavid, it was either you guys or us because we live and die with this shit. But 
with Connor, it's so crazy because he's like a he's a really good NHL player at like one time, one and a half times speed. And he just like he doesn't look like he's moving that quickly, but he's just flying past people. Whereas Bedard is doing all his crazy toe drags and shit. Like Connor's a different kind of player, Connor McDavid, than Connor Bedard. And yet they're both going to have very high impact careers, obviously. Yeah. How excited are you potentially to see those guys play together in the Olympics? Well, now we've been teasing ourselves at the Olympic <laughs> dreams for bloody 14 Olympics in a row here. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'd love to see Connor McDavid in a Team Canada jersey with a C on it. That would be unbelievable. That's his dream and my dream. It's the whole city of Edmonton's dream to see that happen. We were talking about this the other day at our uh, get-together for, for Oilers Nation, and we were talking about conceptually we could see both 2,000-point players in Edmonton. Leon and Connor. No, just Gretzky. Oh, like, and okay. Connor. I right? see what you're saying. Like, like, we're, like Connor's in, a, in our minds, well, Connor's going to break 2,000 career points. Like we think that this is not that crazy to think if he had a long career. And so there'd be two guys who've done it and it's both Oilers. Like what the hell are the odds of that? Astronomical. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I, like, Considering how many first picks we torch too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got you good, you fuckers. Yeah. Oh, fucking poor nail Yakupov getting screwed over. Nah. He's doing great. We see him on Insta over in the KHL. Who the hell knows where he is? And we actually, he's playing for his dad now. His dad is his GM in the KHL. That's crazy. All's well that ends well. He makes $3 million a year. Yeah, he's doing fine. He's back he's home in fine. Russia. He's living his best life. He looks happy. Way happier than when he was here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt bad for that poor guy back in the day when he was uh, hanging out at your rest or your cafe, giving folks some oh. uh, coffee. Wearing space pants? Wearing space pants as well. I remember walking around the corner, seeing a guy wearing very visibly space themed pants and going, yeah, that guy's funky fresh. And then I like double took it. I was like, oh, my God, it's Neil Yakupov. And I just ran and hid in our office and didn't leave the rest <laughs> of the day in case I was going to see him. <laughs> really? And then he put think... a photo on Insta. Oh, so he gave you guys the free love. Oh, yeah. Nail's a legend. People of Edmonton love Nail Yakupov, man. Like, he was such a nice guy to Oilers fans. And that's a threshold. Like, we've had a lot of people come through Edmonton that were highly touted or good players who just didn't emotionally connect with people, right? Yeah. And then we've had other people who've come through who maybe aren't the hugest impact player on the ice, but they're just beloved by Oilers fans. And, like, Nail Yakupov to be first pick overall, there's still an enormous amount of the fan base that still blames the Oilers for botching his career, and they love Nail Yakupov. Oh, yeah, I'm in that camp, too. Like, if they could have, if we could redo things and we didn't have to go through that decade of darkness with Ryan Whitney and... Oy, 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 oy. We could go... But we could it talk all about got us that. Connor, though, right? Yeah. And that's the other conclusion we've come to, is every failed trade, every free agent that spurned us, it all added up to Connor. So it was worth it. Right. But Remember the one year the oil like won the 82nd game of the year. And then as a result, they like moved past. I can't remember if it was Chicago or somebody, but basically we screwed ourselves out of a high impact player by winning a meaningless game 82. Yeah. And we always like mock ourselves for that. But then it adds up to Connor. But you also got Sam Gagne out of that specific deal. So I don't know. What do that, you mean guy... that specific deal. What was I referencing? Uh, so your 82 games, uh, that 82. 82- yeah game win uh that was the year that the oilers ended up drafting sam gagne oh but who could we have drafted one spot higher kane or like it wasn't kane but like uh, the the way that the odds worked out we could have had either patrick kane or sam gagne 
it is not fair. Like I'm all for judging everybody within an inch of their lives. I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong. But it's so unfair to look at drafts with like five years history and look back and be like, what are you stupid? You didn't realize <laughs> that guy is better than that guy. Because at the time, very rarely, like unless somebody goes really off board with a pick, it's generally speaking consensus who goes when. And you don't realize who's who in the zoo. So five years later, be like, what are you dumb or something? It's pretty unfair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shout out that guy that got drafted over Shane uh, Doan back in the day. Steve Kelly? Steve Kelly. Ah, he can still surprise you. He could. Probably Maybe at the, uh, the age of 49, he'll he'll be fine. I, re- I was at that draft, very young Wanye, and everybody was chanting, don't, 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 don't. And the guy goes up, and they're like, the others are pleased to announce Steve Kelly. And everybody <laughs> was just like, oh. Yeah. And it was that- the quietest. Like, a draft isn't allowed to begin with, let's get real, but it was so quiet. And I remember looking at Steve Kelly walk up on stage, and I was like... He's never going to amount to anything. And I was like 10 and I knew it. <laughs> oh, I, he got traded. I swear it now. Again, I didn't have my facts, but he got, he was part of a large trade for the Oilers with Tampa down the road. Like he was actually a good cog in a trade that helped the team. Did he actually like, yeah. did he actually end up playing any NHL games though? Like I thought he, he played for in, like, Tampa for a little while. Really? Okay. I'll yep. have to trust you on that one. But, oh, well, hey, I mean, I know Steve Kelly, let's be yeah. honest. Hockey Hall of Fame, Steve Kelly? Pick yeah. instead of Shane Doan, Steve Kelly? <laughs> Shane Doan played 38 years for the Coyotes. Yeah. Steve Kelly didn't play 38 shifts. He wishes he had that. We let Nail Yakupov ripen on the vine, die on the vine, fall on the ground, and rot on the ground. Oh. We did not help Nail Yakupov at all. No, but we all remember the slide out on center ice. He could have been that guy. Remember he, oh man, he did a lot of cool stuff. This was rookie year. He had a lot of goals. He did. Yeah. And it's like, it's really unfortunate that uh, that was a shortened season too. Like he could have been a Calder content, like contender for sure. I'm at, Cause it never has an Oiler won the Calder, right? No. Imagine Nail Yakupov wins it, then stinks afterwards. It's like <laughs> all those great players and no one won the Calder. No, then Nail Yakupov won it. Correct. <laughs> yeah who cares about that Gretzky guy he didn't win Calder Gretzky didn't win Calder but yet they wouldn't count any of his WHA point totals against his NHL totals so like you're not a rookie but you're not a player that's bizarre and then Connor because he broke his collarbone didn't win the Calder yeah heartbreaking heartbreaking a rare miss for Connor McDavid yeah but don't worry he's gonna win his Stanley Cups don't you worry I think he will oh yeah I think he's gonna be a multi-cup winner Ooh la la, Goose. Yeah, I'm all in on that guy. Oh, man. He's a, it truly is a a treat. Yeah. Like, it is my, I still cannot get over the fact that Connor McDavid is an oiler. And he is in his ninth season in the NHL. Has it actually been nine years? That's what they said at the start of the season. Ugh. I hate that so much because he's a year younger than me. Oi, oi, oi. Well, that's all right. Wait till they start, like, my boy was Jordan Eberle. And he was like fresh faced and young. And I was like, we're doing it, Jordan, you and me. Now he's like old and has two kids and shit. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let's talk a little Jets uh, Nation here. I want to know the OG story behind how Jets Nation kind of formed. Well, we were so excited that like we were making a network, right? So we had Oilers Nation. We had Flames Nation. We had Canucks Army. We had NHLnumbers.com, this old stat site we used to run. And I love Winnipeg. 
Like my sister lives in Winnipeg. I was so mad for you guys when the Jets left. Like, yes, it was like I thought the others were going to leave too at that time because all the small market teams were leaving, right? And I just felt like Winnipeg got absolutely fucked when the Jets left. And my brother-in-law, my sister live out there. They go to Moose games and like they did their best. And you guys got your new arena. And at the time, it was like purposefully too small to be in the NHL. And it's like, let's just enjoy the AHL. We don't need to have them big dreams. And when you guys got the team back we were so pumped we had jets nation up and running before the team was even awarded whoa well we're, we know how fun oilers nation is yeah right we love yelling at each other and yelling at other teams and shit and i don't know i was just so happy that the jets were back they were like we have to make sure that when they ice their first game we have a website going and i mean it's still pseudo going it's uh i feel like it's the it's guam for the rest of the nation network it's like yeah you exist <laughs> but uh you know you just stay over there on your little island and you will occasionally kick, kick you a couple bucks <laughs> <laughs> well i think that it's definitely proven challenging yeah. to um make jets nation into a, a big website but to the nation network as a whole we get a lot of jets fans yeah Oh, absolutely. Right when you include hockeyfights.com, when you include dailyfaceoff.com, I still feel like we're interacting with Jets fans on like a bigger level, but we have yet to turn the corner on making Jets Nation into a busy site. It's a difficult one, right? It's a tricky one. It is. Yeah, Winnipeg's a very fickle city. It's uh, it's been interesting to move here and live here. Uh just yeah. to get myself up there. It's so I love Winnipeg though. It's so fucking awesome. Like when the Oilers, so in 2006, blogging exploded because this website, blogger.com, made blog pages available for free to people, like in mass. So prior to that, if you wanted to start up a website, you had to like spend good money to get a coder to make you a website, right? And when blogging got really popular, when Blogger came out, that's right when the Oilers went on a cup run. So you had like this intersection of a lot of people, this is pre-social media, we're like, let's start blogging. What's their things to blog about? How about the amazing local hockey team? So in Edmonton, it just like made a blogosphere out of nothing overnight. And when we first started Oilers Nation, there was 21 other Oilers blogs operating, right? Yeah. And in Winnipeg, you guys didn't have a team in 2006 during like the boom of blogging, right? And so you just haven't had a whole bunch of people kind of rush into the space. But there's yeah. more and more people making independent sports content now than ever, which is awesome. Oh, it's huge. Uh, like I, the, the, This has been kind of a series of me just talking to random independent bloggers and just like trying to connect everyone to the nation that we're the cool. That's cool. People. Yeah, that's cool. I think that like you're doing the right thing, getting in. We were talking before the show started, like taking the graveyard death shift at the radio station when you're young and getting your foot in the door, right? Like having one foot on the internet and one foot in terrestrial radio and then making your own content on social media. I think in the long run, you can call your own shots. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you have a good social media audience, they're engaged and you're doing funny stuff and they like you and you change stations, you're fine. If you change teams you write about, you're fine. Whereas in the olden days, it's like, oh, he no longer works for the Winnipeg press. We'll never see him again. Now you call your own shots, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look like a guy like uh, Jason Greger in Edmonton and it's just like that guy owns his own show, does everything right. And it's like, if I could base anything off of anyone, it's going to be Greger. And hopefully we get to that point in the next five to 10 years. He's a mastermind, Gregor. He uh, got into it late. He didn't go into radio until he was 27. Really? 27? Yeah. 
I thought yeah. I was a late bloomer at 25. No, he was in the oil patch. He had a whole first career minting coin on the patch like many Albertans. And then he told me that he was in a camp. He, he had a guy sleeping in his um, dorm room who snored. So he went and slept in the bathtub. And he's like, what am I doing with my life? But he's like, I tossed and turned in that bathtub all night. And I was like, I'm going to be on sports radio. And he like got up in the morning and ran out and quit and went on his way. Damn, I respect it. I do too. Yeah, like I, I'm a former pipeliner and I, you know, I was, I, this is my own podcast. I don't care about swearing. Uh, I was called a stupid cunt every day for six months straight. <laughs> and eventually just like I broke. I'm like, I'm going to radio school. I don't care anymore. I think that before radio and TV was controlled by gatekeepers. And unless you were a musician or a stand up comedian, which kind of call their own shots a little bit more, I think it's really hard to make content that anyone can listen to. Yeah. Now we live in a golden age. Oh, right? yeah. Now you publish onto these multi billion dollar company platforms and just magically take it to glass cubes in everyone's pockets. Like, what the fuck? It's the future. Right. Yeah. If you take this podcast and just keep doing it over and over and over and over and keep having guests and do the work, it will eventually get as big as you want it to. That's the story of how the nation network got as big as it did is we just didn't stop at Oilers nation. We kept launching more and more and more sites. Yeah. And I mean, God bless you guys for getting jets nation off the ground. Cause like, it's been my favorite little pet project that I've been kind of rolling with. It's good, man. And it's it's what you want it to be, right? If you're yep. like, this is stupid. I only had one reader, then it is. If you're like, this is awesome. I had one reader, then it is, right? Like, we laugh now because we kept um, investing in Leafs Nation, Canucks Army, and Flames Nation for like a decade, right? And we just break even. If we got a new advertiser, we'd hire another person, right? Like, it was very slow. Whereas Oilers Nation, we felt like it was a hot meteor all the way to the moon because we were like living it every day. Now Canucks Army some months is bigger than Oilers Nation. No way. Yeah, and it That's... took like 14 years. 14 years to get there. Right? That's crazy. So if you keep working on your craft, whatever it is, being a podcast or being on the radio or doing all of it, right? I think that like sometimes you'll see people in the media who don't put a big effort in on social media. Yeah. Right? And they're like, what do I care? I'm on the fucking drive time show at k buzz you can suck it earth well th those jobs come and go right and if you're able to grow your your own online audience while you're the drive time at k buzz god forbid they turn the radio station off like the sports one in edmonton middle of the morning show they just pull a proverbial plug and the show's off the air like you better hope you've made an investment in your own social media you better hope you have your own podcast on the side you better hope that you've done things like Jason Greger. Like when we pitch Jason Greger, we're going to make a real Oilers website that's going to be legit. He wasn't even the drive time host, but he already thought of himself as Seacrest, right? And I was like, this is the guy. This is the guy we need to convince, right? Because <laughs> yeah. he has that star power about him, right? But he has worked so hard for us for so long, writing so many articles when like he was way bigger than that. He didn't need to. And as a result, though, when the station got turned off, we were able to bring the news station back. Yeah. I mean, how has that been trying to combine terrestrial radio and you guys? Easy. Because yeah. it's all people that we know blog. They all record audio content. You know, we plugged in a bit more of a team around Gregor that's doing clips and making sure that he's been videoed. Right. Yeah. But like the bureaucratic bullshit you would have to go through to get a TSN show to be like simulcast online. 
it wasn't worth doing. Yeah. Whereas we're like, well, we're putting a huge effort now into our YouTube, but all our shows now we have, they all go on our YouTube channels as well. And suddenly you can get, you know, 1500 views on YouTube of your show. If you'd been doing that on the Gregor show for the last 15 years, you'd have a huge YouTube page. Yeah. Well, and like I've tried to convince the bosses, like the big bosses from Toronto. It's like, you guys need to start finding a way to have a simulcast going, maybe find yeah. some sort of talk radio. And they're like, we don't need to do that. I'm like, okay, have fun with the AI robots that take over this industry in five years. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen to you. Uh, Yes and no. I think it's one of it. They've put a ridiculous amount of money into AI and trying to have AI uh, hosts, but they sound awful. There's no charisma to any of them. So I think it's going to be something they push and that's ultimately going to fail and they're going to look foolish for it. I'm currently running, and I'm not lying when I tell you this, I'm currently running three so-called AI in air quotes. I'm running three AI startups concurrently. Mm. And in they use machine learning, right? So they learn how to learn how to do something, right? And in other times, you wouldn't really say AI. You would just say it's code-based, right? But AI is like a hot term right now, right? Yeah. AI is so far away from being something that poses a threat to humanity that I think it's just the newest thing we're telling ourselves to be scared about. Oh. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. down the road, does robots and AI pose a mortal threat to us? Yes. That's why it was so good Terminator was made early on. So we were all like, uh-oh, computers could pose a threat. It's good that we have that in our heads, but I don't think AI is nearly in a space and it, it'll get there quick, but for the moment, I don't think it's going to replace anybody in media or any of that shit. Look, you know, the Avengers movies and all those movies, how like prevalent CGI is, yeah. right? Do you ever mistake that for reality when no, you're watching never. it? Not, not once. Now extrapolate that even further to when you're watching something and it's AI and you're like, oh, none of this is real. Like the human mind is going to be able to detect it. And like, I think you'll have a new service maybe that's AI. You'll have automated voices that are AI. The intro to my new podcast, Wanye's World, it's AI. Yeah. It's just a voice. But like that podcast can't do an episode of Wanye's World, that AI. Like I'm not worried about it like doing the whole show. Because humans are still the creative force behind it, everything. Yeah, uh, the issue with radio, though, is like everything is just so recycled. Like I I did a bit on Saturday. I heard six times from the other people that I work with. And I'm like, well, I don't really care. I still find Bigfoot interesting enough to BS about it. So I don't know. I'm a That's little why it's worried. good you're doing a podcast, right? That's why yeah. it's good you're, you're on multiple platforms, right? It's good that you're putting out more content than just one type. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I like doing all three types of um, media that I'm up to these days. And it's weird when people like, I've had a guy like, oh yeah, you're the voice on 92.1 City at 3 a.m. on Saturday. I'm like, who the hell right. is listening to me? Don't you know me for Jets Nation? No, I don't care about that. I just want to listen to the rock radio station. Like, right on, brother. But <laughs> this is weird. If you're able to like consistently put out content, in this day and age, you will find an audience. For yeah. It. Oh yeah. Uh, like last winter, I like I just moved to Winnipeg last winter, and it was uh, I had somebody corner me outside the grocery store and just talk to me about the Jets for like fifteen minutes. It was like minus twenty out, so I was like, dude, I need to go inside. And then I ended up catching a cold. But 
Son of a cool. bitch. Yeah. Blame him for like a wicked ass winter cold. <laughs> One thing that I didn't realize as a youth was that like I would look for jobs, right? And, and be like, how come there isn't a job being like a Playboy Mansion greeter for $400 million a week? Or how come like I want to work in sports? I may as well have wished to be an astronaut. Like you can't work in sports. There's like eight jobs and there's like 2 million people that think they want to do this. Everybody who likes watching sports idly wishes they could work in sports, right? And it's just yeah. not going to happen, right? What I didn't realize then was that volunteerism is the bridge to doing whatever you want. Right. Yes. So if you, if you, you're like, Oh, I want to, what do you want to do? I want to write about the Oilers. Okay. Then start your own Oilers website. No one can prevent you from doing that. No, not. You a can soul. go to the worst, like the, the U of a, I went to the U of a right here in Edmonton and I wrote one article for the student newspaper. One. Then they're like, we don't need you anymore. And I was like, this is a volunteer job. And they're like, we know it is. And I was never allowed back. Right. And at the time I was crushed. Right. I was like, you motherfuckers. Cause there's not that many places to write about sports around town. Right. Yeah. And so there's like a gatekeeper preventing me from doing my dream. Right. So the answer is do something on a volunteer basis. Right. Yeah. When I talked to Frank Saravalli, right the head of the professional hockey writers association. Now the lead correspondent of daily Faceoff. Think how crazy that is that that guy works with us. Right. Yeah. How did he get his start? He got his start because a newspaper in Pennsylvania that was only available in minor hockey rinks was advertising. Do you want to write about sports for free? And a young Frank Saravalli was like, I take up the call. And he joined the w newspaper, treated it extremely seriously. And it led to that little newspaper, which had one press pass for the Philadelphia Flyers somehow. And, and shout out to the Flyers for giving press passes out to kind of smaller media outlets so you can grow the jobs in the industry, right? But they got Frank Saravalli in the building. And Frank Saravalli strutted in the first day wearing eight ties and three suits. and was like, what to do, bitches? And took it so seriously and did such a good job that within a couple of seasons, all the media knew him. Yeah. And yeah. then he's telling me that he went to go to journalism school because he's like, I'm going to be a journalist for real. And he went, I think he got into NYU or something. He said somebody good. And the Philadelphia Inquirer beat reporter quit on a dime or died or something. And they called him and they're like, do you want to come be the Flyers reporter and you can travel with the team? And he's like, I'm going to journalism school. And they're like, with what end game in mind? And he's like, being the Flyers reporter. And they're like, why well, just come be the Flyers reporter? <laughs> yeah. Right? Just, yeah. Shit happens quick, but you have to volunteer your way into the industry. Yeah, and like what you're doing, the three to eight super mega graveyard monster max shift that nine out of 10 people would be a little bitch wouldn't do. That's your foothold in the industry. Yeah. Well, and like the job that I, my full-time job here at uh, Rogers is, uh, is just promotions coordinator. And I, when I got the original emails, like there is no way that they actually want me for that job. And apparently like three other people passed on it. Cause they're like, I don't want to do promotions. That's lame. Well, those first three mistake. People, yeah. Those three people are still not working in the industry and I get a pretty sweet job where I go to concerts for free all the time. So suck it to those guys. First mistake is not taking an opportunity like that for what it is. And it's a foot in the industry. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a sick job. Like there is nothing else that I, well, I mean, Jets Nation is what I want to do. But if I had to quit that immediately, there's no other job.
But maybe in the day, this day and age that we live in, you should be thinking about a career doing both. I guess there is that possibility. It's well, think the, of Gregor, right? Gregor's yeah. who you want to prototype, right? Gregor yeah. doesn't exclusively work for us, nor does he exclusively do his radio show. No. Right? He does both. Yeah. Yes, and he does both very, very well. It's, yeah, and they both help. Both things help each other. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what, like, I bless the guys here that I work with who have been very, very supportive of this podcast. That's awesome. That are that's just great. Like, yeah, just wear a silly little logo when you're doing podcasts at the station, and we won't even think about the time that you're wasting. So it's that's okay. sick. Yeah. When we uh, we were doing our episode, our real life podcast, and we're at like episode 550 or some crazy shit. And for a while, they were letting us record them at the radio station because we didn't understand how to work our audio equipment properly. And it kept fucking up and ruining our podcast. And the station manager was like, you can use our crappy eighth rated station that we never use because the room smells funny. And me and Bag Milk would go in there and knock them out. We thought we were working for like CNN. We were so excited. Oh, There's something yeah. cool about a radio station. There's something cool about being the media. And that I just like it's magical, right? Like now we're doing 1440 and I go on Friday afternoons on the Gregor show here in Edmonton, right? And I'm a co-host on the radio for two hours. My parents, who are not impressed by anything I've done in my life, are like happily telling their friends now I'm on the radio two hours a week. Like there's just something really cool about it as a job. It is. Yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, like I, I drive the uh, station vehicle around all the time. I feel like an Sick. absolute baller driving that F-150 yeah. around. Uh, but like people will be like, oh, you work for the radio station. Like, yeah, I do. And they're like, you're on air. And it's like, you know, I've got my crappy side slot, but they think that I am the cat's pajamas. Yeah, because they're like normal folks, bless their hearts, who don't like I so many people do jobs that you know, you'd never have anybody really appreciate. You never have really anybody enjoy. They're like anonymous roles in a larger economy. Right. Yeah. But radio hosts are, are like celebrities. They're superstars. Right. And there's a certain type of person that becomes a mega fan of stuff. Right. And those are people I love because I'm like an Oilers fan to a point that it's like probably criminally irresponsible. Right. When you find people who are like excited about the rock station or excited about a hockey blog or excited about the local basketball team or whatever it is, people who get really in this stuff are generally happier people. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, uh, since like just diving into this podcast alone, it just the happiness has spiked again. And that's good, right? Like, that's something that is worth doing. Ideally, you want to do stuff that you could do for free that you could make a living at as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, like I had an ex-girlfriend who was like, well, this is just a hobby for you. I'm like, yeah, it's a hobby that's going to turn into a sick job, but you have to, you know, go through the patience of it all. And she didn't get it. And now Especially that's... in this day and age, right, yeah. where like you can truly do kind of whatever you want as long as you're willing to do it for free for a while. But that's paying your dues. Right? Yeah. And you have to and pay you, your dues. You have to pay your dues. And you know, we're the Oilers website of note, despite never having been invited to one single media meeting. In fact, the team hates us and the media hates us. And yet we're publicly traded. So fuck you people. Really? Right? Like, so yeah. like the media, even though you guys yeah. have guys like Gregor and Low Tide occasionally writing for you and Brownlee. Yeah, they don't like us at a corporate level. And they don't like us on an individual level. And we... Some of us like them on an individual level and tolerate others on a corporate level. Interesting. But okay. we don't, uh, you know, the media is a closed circuit and we're not a part of it, nor do we want to be because we think we're doing it nicer and funner. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. And that that's why I go to Oilers Nation and rather than spending the three bucks a month on the athletic or even going to the sports net, because it's just like, here's your drone stats. Like, no, I want to know what Wanye thinks about the, uh, the Oilers or I want to know what whoever thinks about what. I think that there's like I read everything. Right. Yep. I read the athletic. I have a subscription to it for years. I read sports and I read TSN. I'll sometimes read the journal. I mean, it's behind a paywall. I just want to read everything there is to read about the Oilers. Mm. That's it. So I for me, that. like there's days where Oilers Nation publishes 20 articles. I'm like, oh, this is the best. Like oh. if we hadn't made this our company and it just existed, I would be the number one reader. <laughs> That's baller. I love the dedication. It doesn't feel like work. Like it's not. If you, it sounds cliche, but like if you actually like what you're doing, it doesn't feel like work doing it because you enjoy it. Yeah, do what you love. You never have to work again a day in your life. But it's hard, right? Because I know people being like, well, that's fucking fantastic. I have to pay my rent in eight days. How the fuck am I supposed to eat cotton candy for a living? Yeah. And my counter argument to you would be eat cotton candy for a living on YouTube for free for eight years. And in your ninth year, the first $500 will fall out. And in yeah. your 14th year, you'll make a living doing it. Because people make money doing the weirdest shit now. So weird. Yeah. So well, weird. Like, looking back at it, like when I first got into radio, I was in this uh, small town and the owner didn't pay anything. The PD was a complete monster and just made me feel <laughs> awful about myself. And like, I should have blogged all of this and just been like, what is it actually like to be in radio? I think it would have been just very depressing for everyone. They would have been like, mm, maybe we should worry about this guy a little bit. But <laughs> if you were to do that and you were to document it and you were ultimately positive about life and pointing your ship towards a good outcome, right? I think that you would bring people on the journey with you. People who don't have the courage to go to a small town and start their radio. Radio is a dream, not a career. Yeah. Right? And like all the kids that go to like Nate and Edmonton, they go into radio and TV, like a fairly high number of them actually go and work for stations, right? Mm -hmm. But the washout occurs, all the people that dreamt of going into radio and TV at Nate, but didn't. Yeah. Right. So like you're already like three or four or five things into setting yourself up for good fun because you're pointing your ship in a good direction and documenting that. If you had documented being in a small town, it would be on the way to something bigger and better. Yeah. But I mean, hindsight's 2020. 20. It was the middle of the but You can do it day. now. You are doing it now. Right? I am doing it now. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like uh, uh, restarting the old podcast that I had you on the slice of beef back in yeah. the day. And it's just like, you know, that'll come out within the next couple of weeks, but I'm just so Good. damn excited about that. Cause it's like, that was a legitimate passion. So I think that the pandemic was a very strange time. Yeah. And I think a lot of people had their like light go out as a result of it. Right. Yeah. And I think the trick on the other side of this bitch is you got to start doing things again. Yeah. hundred percent. Right? Getting your two pods up and running. Like, I have a new podcast that I'm doing as well, right? Now I'm on the radio for two hours a week. Like, I'm doing things that I find enjoyable, and it gets me out of the house. I work for my house, right? So I got to, like, get things going on the outside again, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure you're enjoying it a whole lot more. And even just, do you mind if we bring up your kid? Of course. Okay. Wanya Jr., yeah. the, the big boss, of course. The big boss. I mean, like, yeah. Like, how much better does this? like living life feel now out of the pandemic with the uh, with Wanya Jr. Yeah, so he was a pandemic baby. My son is uh, 3. So he was born in September of 2020. So it was a 
crazy time to have like a pregnancy going on. I wasn't allowed to go to the hospital for checkups. There's all sorts of like restrictions and stuff. When he emerged, um, the hospital was having a COVID outbreak. Right. And so everybody was locked in their rooms. You weren't allowed to go around. So when he was born, mom had to go do mom stuff in a totally different wing of the hospital. And she wasn't allowed into the NIC unit for intensive care for little babies. Yeah. So me and Wanya Jr. ended up spending the entire next 24 hours together chilling with him like bio like wrapped with like a tensor bandage to my chest to keep him warm. Oh, and I was like, we're not allowed to go anywhere. And the nurse is like, no, you have to stay here. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And they're like, I don't know. Talk to your son. And I was like, oh, do you want to listen to the best of bad boy records on my phone? So his like first day was spent listening to like 112 records and shit with me in the hospital. So it was a good time. Yeah, that's but, the way uh, to start. It was awesome, man. Yeah, being a dad's like the awesomest thing ever. So even though it's been kind of a stay at home time sort of for some for society for me it was perfectly timed because i had a brand new baby yeah i i've had i've had two friends who had kids during that time uh right around when wanya jr was born and they're just yeah. like it was the best having a pandemic and a baby at the same time toddlers at that time totally different story for sure for sure and like depending on how the parents are wired if they're like really social creatures for some people not being able to show their kid off to a million people was really hard for them for other parents that like probably didn't want to have to show their kid off to a million people would have felt obligated by society pandemic baby. You're like, sorry, everybody, you know how it is. And they have to do <laughs> shit. It's the best. Yeah. Oh, what have a great the time. Best. It is. Uh, okay. I want to get back into your, oh, actually the first question of uh, the jets have goal songs for everyone. What would your, they do. Uh, yeah. Every single player has their individual goal song. That's cool. Yeah, I love it. But what would your goal song be? <laughs> hate Me Now by Puff Daddy and Nas. Ooh. Yeah. You do hate me now, imaginary fans of a game. <laughs> I can't even do crossovers, Goose. I can't even do crossovers. I could never score shit. Oh, dude, I am the biggest plug out there. I can't skate, can't crossover. I just stand in front of the net and I was like, I could be Ryan Smith and score greasy goals. When I was a little kid, I wanted to play minor hockey. It just wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Right. So instead, I would listen to the Oilers on AM radio. Well, uh, and I would read the newspaper cover to cover. And I'd be like, hockey's very interesting. And as a child, I'm going to find a one day, I'm going to find a way to participate. And I did. Yeah. That was, that was me too. Like, I, I wanted to be a goalie so bad growing up. And mom and dad are like, we don't have the money for you to be a regular player, let alone a goaltender. So. <laughs> Why? Why? It's only 12 grand for goalie pads. Is yeah. That a problem? It's fine. Yeah. And I mean, I'm only going to grow out of them in six months. So yeah, every hour. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I was the same way. Rod Phillips, I grew up on that guy. And then you throw in the Edmonton Journal on top of it. It was fun. That's how I got my hockey fix in. It's it's being a fan of really any sport, whether it's soccer or basketball, whatever you're into, being a true fan of something is the best. Yeah. Yeah, it was the best. It's a weird. It was a very weird transition going from like an all in Oilers guy. It's like I only focus on the Oilers. Fuck anyone else in the league. I could care less who plays for you to then like, like, all right, what's up with Winnipeg and their hockey squad? Now well, I mean, you can have a professional interest in one and like, a, yeah. like, I feel like people in this day and age have a few teams they cheer for. Right. Yeah, I absolutely. respect, I respect a, ma- a man who's an Oilers fan and nothing else though. <laughs> ah, 
Yeah. But the Jets are an easy team to like. I, at least I think. Like at Winnipeg, when I've I've been to Winnipeg many times, I always feel like I'm home in Winnipeg. Like I feel a kinship with Winnipeg people. I when you guys do the whiteout and everybody's so excited, I'm like, God damn, it would be part to be a part of that would be awesome. Like I truly feel Jets fans regardless of the team's performance, you guys have it figured out. Yeah, absolutely. I got a smooch from a dude when we got a tying goal at the White House party. I'm like, yeah, I don't even care. I hope we win in overtime, wink. Oh, no, they lost in overtime. So. Damn it. Yeah, A smooch from a dude. <laughs> oh, oh, that's good oh, times. Yeah. Oh, White House parties? I, yeah, no one does them better. I like, I look at what the Oilers are doing for their outdoor parties. I'm like, yeah, you guys are cool, but... Uh... You got nothing the on white out. The whiteout is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even with the flames in their sea of red, I'm like, that is so fucking cool. Well, every team I think is like rolling out their version of what their fan base's thing is. Yeah. Right. And some are inherently funner than others like Calgary. And I'm not ashamed to say this is a shithole and yes. their team is horrible. And their arena is ready to be condemned and their tap water is borderline toxic. Like there isn't anything I like about Calgary at all, but I also recognize it's basically the same city as Edmonton. Yeah. Right. And Calgary, we're in sort of that triumvirate as well. Right. Like you're kind of in that triangle of like life out here revolves around the hockey team. Um, we live and die with it. We generally get served a plate of shit year after year and we try to make the best of it. That's being a hockey fan. is. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like, Decade of darkness. How do you get through that? Well, you meme the hell out of your team. You coined the term decade of darkness. That I remember too. the day we wrote it. I was like, man, this has been a real decade of darkness. Um, I think one thing that Oilers fans, whether it's annoying on the outside to watch or not annoying, but like we truly make our own fun. Yeah. We well, don't care. Really do. And that just comes as a function of like four or five of us were lucky enough to be able to make Oilers content full time. And we're like, we're not going to bit. Like, we're not going to just say every day this sucks because it's evident it sucks, right? Yeah. But what we're going to do is, like, get really excited about stupid shit <laughs> and to entertain ourselves, right? Yeah. Like, we used to get so excited about preseason heroes all the time, right? And we would get, like, Ty Ratty had 12 points. Get ready, Hockey Hall of Fame. And it was just funny because people who weren't fun would yell at us online and be like, why would you even... Who cares about Neil Yakupov? But like that's why we got through the decade of darkness. We were having a hilarious laugh the entire time. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's how you beat that long, long time of well, you can't just bitch about it. Um, I remember when I was a little kid and the Oilers had the worst attendance, and the economy sucked, and all the fans were mad at the owner, Pocklington, and. Like the lead story on TSN many nights was how the Oilers were leaving. Yeah. And as a little kid, I wasn't able to do anything about it. I mean, even as a fan, you can't do anything about it. But I just remember being like, holy shit, you can just lose your hockey team. Like it was such a terrible outcome to even contemplate that that is worse than the decade of darkness. Losing the Jets. Actually seeing those motherfuckers take to the ice in Arizona, my heart ripped for you people. Then to get your team back and they're called the Jets again? What the fuck? Oh, yeah. How's it and- How can you call them the Jets? Who cares? Hooray! I was so <laughs> excited, right? It was awesome. It, it is, yeah. And, like, people party hard for this team. Yes. And if you're like, how do I, like, justify being the fan of two things? 
I would just really embrace being a Jets fan. Yeah. Right. And like, I remember the first time we had a party at, uh, for Oilers Nation. Right. Jay and I were like, we should have a party. Like, that's a wicked idea because all we like is Oilers and partying. That's it. So we're like, we have an Oilers website. The next thought out of our brain is we should have a party for our Oilers website. <laughs> and then the third thought that fell out was we should design our own merch. And when we had our party, the first party ever, and this is in like 2008, and we had like 10 t-shirts for sale, all extra small or triple extra large. They didn't know what I was doing. And with the cost of design worked in, we were sure to lose money on every single unit. We were so excited. Yeah. Right? Oh, if you I have killed. Jets parties, you would out of the gate have a better party than our first Oilers Nation party Ooh, because yes. you're already so much further advanced than we are, right? Yeah. Well, and I don't even know how I ended up writing for Jets Nation. I think I either had a wild ass dream where I thought you emailed me to write for this team or. Yeah, because nobody else wanted to do it. And we yeah. were like, let's find people who want to make a go in the media. And I can't remember how I'd seen you online somewhere or other. Yeah. But like, you had the right spirit and the right attitude of like, everything is funny and I want to mock stuff. And like, that's what you need. It was my, if you can make yourself laugh, you'll never have a dull day. It was memes about my grandmother's butter tarts. It was genius. Yeah. Because you were pumping a commercial product that's available. That's the key <laughs> to being a radio star. You have to monetize. Yeah. Do you know the story of Barstool to any degree? Uh, vaguely ish, but uh... when he started doing, when partner started doing Barstool, it was a flyer that he would hand out outside sporting events Ooh. in Boston. And one of the things he advertised was like, I think it was pies his mom made. And if anyone ever called the number on the ad, Mrs. Portnoy answered and would like make a pie for the reader and sell it to them. Yeah. It's the principle you're applying <laughs> of like, I'm going to write content and monetize it. Yeah. And even if I don't like the first few issues of, of Barstool, a lot of his advertisers were fake. They hadn't paid him any money. He just put them in the newspaper to make it look like there were people buying. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My grandma did, did not pay me a dime for that. And she was kind of shocked that I was going through. But she was like my grandpa, who's an old conservative from from Rain, Wainwright, who's now 90. He, nice. I chuckled at them. I was like, yeah, if I can get the old boy to laugh at these, we're golden. But I remember looking at that and being like, oh, this guy has like a mind about trying to make money making hockey content. Yeah. And that qualifies you, right? There's not a lot of people who do that. I can't remember what percentage of people actually make content versus just read and like consume. But like it's a pretty one-way street of just yeah. I go on my phone and scroll, right? Whereas like I don't know, my brain chemical imbalance. I was like, I want to make jokes and say funny things. And all I care about is the Oilers. Ha ha ha. And away we went, right? And <laughs> yeah. I think you have that same spirit of like, I'm going to do whatever it is that I kind of find funny. And that's, I'm glad you started your podcast up again, right? Because like, that's something that you shouldn't let die. No, no. And like, I've always kicked myself for it. But you know, the, again, that angry PD who was like, well, you should just focus on radio because yeah, shut the fuck up. So I can yeah. be an angry PD like you, you asshat. Shut exactly. Up. Honestly, I was looking back and like, damn, if he had caught me at 27 rather than 25 and not new in that industry, I just would have told him to fuck off. But ah, it's yeah. hard though. Cause as you get further down the road, you're actually more likely to listen to people because you need money. Yeah. And that's right? where I was at. It's like, I need this, these dollars. So yeah, I need I'll these the Benjamins. Podcast. But yeah. don't ever let anyone do that. 
no, right? no, not again. I was just like, I've had someone say like, why are you even bothering with your pod with this Jets Nation podcast? You only have no, it's good. 50 subscribers on YouTube. I'm like, get bent, man. I'm going to have 500 in two years. So whatever. Or this, like something always leads to something. Yeah. Right. So if you're making content about the Jets and you're doing a good job, it will lead to other things similar to that opportunity. Yeah. I'm right? not worried about it. I'm having fun. Oh, but just like the counter argument to people like shitting on you. I, oh, I don't yeah. like people to do that because like people always shit on me. Right. I remember like we have a little funny cafe here in Edmonton called Little Brick. And it's everyone should old, actually go check out because it is fantastic. It's a prime example of like, why on earth do you think you know how to do this, Wanye? Like, why do you think you know how to run a cafe in a 1903 house in Edmonton? And the answer is, I thought it was really cool when I went to Austin, I saw a restaurant in a house. I'd never seen that before. And I was like, why aren't there houses with restaurants in them in Edmonton, the greatest city in the world? And then when I returned home, I was like, I can't get this out of my head. I'm putting a ho- I'm putting a restaurant in a house. And I went looking and found a house and away we went, right? Yeah. Um well, I took have, five. Hmm? I was, I was going to say you have that in like a really residential area. Like have you seen a growth of uh people moving into that area just with the uh, both the restaurant and the cafe? Yeah, so we were lucky enough to do a second project three blocks up the street from Little Brick and it's uh where we have Nation HQ now and it's a three-story building. And we have a little pub and we have a little bakery that we own and operate. And the second floor is our offices. And the third is two little Airbnb suites, like the world's smallest hotel, right? The three businesses combined in this one little neighborhood in Edmonton called Riverdale has definitely changed the neighborhood. It was like, it kind of had some old houses. It kind of had some new houses, but it had no amenities. It's tucked next to the river. So it's kind of this weird Island that had no services. And like, the bus uh, route in the neighborhood was always on the verge of being canceled, right? Because there weren't enough people taking the bus. And now our three businesses, we calculate, we bring 15,000 people to the neighborhood a year. Whoa. And 45 people work for the different businesses down there. And we did a little survey one time, 35 of 45 take the bus. Really? Yeah. So for that neighborhood to suddenly have like 35 additional daily riders, it actually adds up to like, the bus being a lot noticeably fuller <laughs> right, <laughs> and like not running the risk necessarily of being cut. It could still be cut the bus route, but it's definitely on an upswing, not a downswing. Yeah. And well, people, when they sell houses nearby list proximity to little brick dog patch and bread and butter bakery as one of the selling features of their house. As they should. That's cool. So yeah. like, has there been an impact on like people that would never go to that neighborhood, go there people bring people from out of town to that neighborhood to show them cool places in Edmonton. And they're like prideful to show their auntie from Thunder Bay, a cool restaurant that they know. And they know that when they bring their auntie, they'll be like, Oh, in a little old house. Isn't that beautiful? Right. Cause little aunties love that kind of shit. They do. So, and like good all, time the all, cool, all, all the cool uh, souvenirs you can get at little brick as well. Like, yeah. And then yeah. tucked into that is hilarious hockey blogging offices. Yeah. I mean, what, what like, is it the Wi-Fi password for Little Brick? Like Connor McDavid? <laughs> Probably. We <laughs> have so many silly. Wi-Fi problems down there that there's all these different Wi-Fis that, like, don't work properly. And we're always just telling people to log on to, like, the wrong one. It's pretty funny. I love it. <laughs> it's a shit show. It's a shit show in Riverdale. It's, it sounds like it, but in the best possible way. It's good fun. We have a really good time going to work every day. And yeah. that's all you can really hope for in this world. 
so like uh, going back to like the original days of Oilers Nation, did you ever expect like more than you and Jay to be running this thing? Yeah, like we did intend to make a big business. Like our hope setting out was we want to create a network of websites of fans of different hockey teams and have them attack each other. Yeah, that was our thought. And then as we got into it, we were like finding websites to purchase like dailyfaceoff.com and hockeyfights.com. And we made those acquisitions and it cost a lot of money. We had to go and raise money from investors and stuff like that. And we did those acquisitions like hockey fights. We've owned, I think since 2014 now, 10 years. Um, yeah. Like we were hoping to grow our business exponentially. So we're not shocked actually. Um, oh. We're very grateful. We're very happy, but we intended it to be a real business. Yeah. Well, it's obviously a very successful business. I mean, hockey fights, I don't know how many hours I've wasted on that website alone. Oh, totally. I would go to hockey fights all the time. And then I was like, who the fuck owns this thing? And I went and clicked on about. And I was like, it's just some guy. And then I would always email him being like, sell me your website. Sell me your website. We're Oilers Nation. We're the most advanced fan group in the world. We're Oilers Nation. We'll manage hockey fights with the seriousness it demands. Like, we're Oilers Nation. We know online hockey garbage with a PhD. And then the dude phoned me during the Olympic semifinals. 2010 or 2014? 2014. Ooh. Canada's playing. This guy's never answered me ever. He phones me from New York State in Edmonton. I see his name come up on my phone. I'm like, oh, my God. It's the guy from Hockey Fights. I'm so drunk. I like go running out of the sports bar we're in. I'm like, hello, 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 hockeyfights.com. And he's like, I was phoning to see if you would even answer my call during the game. And I was like, nothing's more important than hockeyfights.com. And he ended up selling us his site. Yeah. And now you guys got a podcast out of it with John Scott. Unbelievable. Yeah. I like good God. Are you like, are you guys ever gonna get like an oiler to like officially work for ON? Maybe. I mean Maybe. <laughs> the the model, like what we do in 2023, we have I think we have 28 podcasts and we love it, right? So, like, would we love to get an oiler on an oilers podcast? No doubt. Would we love to get a Bruin on a Bruin podcast? No doubt. Would we love to get like any hockey content that we think makes sense that we can sell to listeners and sell to advertisers we're in yeah yeah you gotta be all in uh you got any conspiracies about the nhl you do word when you sent me that list of questions i was like "Ooh, i do love a good conspiracy i'll tell you a story that i heard that i believe to be true that you and your listeners can take away and think whether that guy from Edmonton was lying or not. I believe this to be true. I had a guy come fix my furnace and he was like in his mid sixties and jacked, right? Like the minute he was at the front door of my house, I looked at him. I was like, Oh shit, this old man is jacked. That was my first thought. And my house is like filled with Oilers Nation merchandise of every sort. So you walk in and you're like, hey, this guy either has like a brain imbalance or he works at Oilers Nation. There's no other outcome. So he's like, what's up with all this hockey shit? And I was like, oh, I work for Oilers Nation. I'm really excited. He's like, I used to play in the NHL. And I can't remember his name. But it wasn't that he played for them for a long time, but he played for an original 16 back in the day. 
And I'm like, that's dope. And he's like, yep. I was like the best six weeks of my life. And so we're, then he played minor hockey and he did a bunch of senior hockey and he did a bunch of other shit. So I'm like, did you ever see anything crazy happen in the NHL? And he's like, yep. And I said, well, what did you see? And he's like, when I was a rookie, a guy on the original six team I played in on, we were like roommates and we would just talk the night away. We talk about stuff. And he's like, when he, his roommate was a rookie in the league, they would f- had this guy on their team who was a notorious womanizer. And everywhere they played, he had like a girlfriend in every city. And this is when there was just six teams, right? And whenever they would go to Montreal, all the team would file off the team train because they didn't fly. They took the train in those days. And this one notorious playboy would go turn the other way and go to the end of of the platform. And there would be like this beautiful lady waiting for him. And he would leave with this beautiful woman every time they went to this city. And they'd be like, who's your girlfriend? Blah, blah, blah. And he wouldn't say anything about it. He's a real dick. And he wouldn't tell guys on the team what he was up to. And then one day they got into town and they all filed off the train. And the guy turned to the right to go like he normally did to see his girl. But there was two guys waiting for him in like trench coats and fedoras. And they picked this guy up by his elbows and carried him off. And they never saw him again. This is an active player in the NHL in like the 40s. And And what it was, it was a mobster's wife. No. Yeah. He'd been sleeping with a mobster's wife whenever he went to Montreal. And then one day he got off and the mobsters were waiting for him. And so the team is like, where the fuck did this guy go? And the players were like, we don't know where he went. He just went off with these dudes, but he was always super secretive and shit, right? And it's in the 1940s. Like, the war, I think, may have even been on, right? And he didn't have quite the, like, grip on where is everybody at all times with cell phones and shit in those days. People could just disappear. And so this is where it gets crazy. The team rather than open an investigation and get bad press and blah, 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 just said, oh, we released him from his contract. And that was the end of him. What? Yeah. That's bananas. That's a good conspiracy, hey? That's a great conspiracy. So the guy telling me, the Fix My Furnace, telling me the story, it took him a long time to tell me the story. And just looking at him, I was like, I believe this to be a true story. Yeah, I think that this is a story from the NHL in the 1940s of people who are all long since dead. And I think that rather than admitting this guy got murdered by a mobster, they just were like, oh, we cut him. Who knows? <laughs> Man, yeah. The world pre-internet, crazy you could just get away with a guy disappearing. You could, as a, as a seedy man, you could drive six miles up the road and start an entirely new family. And as long as the two towns never had like a softball match against each other, you could run two families concurrently in those days and they would never run into each other. Crazy. The economy used to be so good. You could have a second family and no one was the wiser. Those are the days. One guy could make enough money to have a secret family. That's the dream. Yeah. And support them both. Well, that's the real dream. Well enough. Not well enough. No, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have favorites. Yeah, of course. Right? You got to pick one set of illegitimate children to be your go-to kids, and then your other ones are your spares. Yeah. 
Yeah, just in case something happens to the the good ones. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my conspiracy. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I like that one. Um, I thought you were going to have something on Gary Batman. I was really excited for that. I like Gary Batman. Do you? Yeah. And I can, we've got time. We're having a hockey podcast. Yeah. Gary Batman. So when Peter Pocklington, the Oilers former owner, was going to move the team, he was making Edmonton his bitch. He was in the newspapers being like, Edmonton has no money. And then and then. And Oilers fans are chumps. And it was all extraordinarily traumatic. And then the NHL put young Gary Bettman in. And Gary Bettman, no one had ever fucking heard of him. I remember him coming to Edmonton as like one of the first things he did as commissioner. And I'm in elementary school, but I'm paying attention to everything that's happening. And he's like, the Oilers aren't going anywhere. And Peter Pocklington's like, yes, they are. And Gary Bettman goes, I'm the commissioner of the National Hockey League. And I'm telling you, this team is not moving. And I remember being like, oh, shit, there's somebody more powerful than Peter Pocklington. How fucking interesting. So then Gary Bettman did a deal with Superstore where Superstore bought, I can't remember how many thousands of season tickets and sold the season tickets at the cashiers at all the locations in Edmonton. And getting that single purchase of season tickets lifted the Oilers up to getting some special subsidy from the NHL from small market teams. And it added like millions of dollars to our revenue. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so the combination of being like blowed out your ass, Pocklington was mind blowing because most commissioners you would think would take the money and be like, Oh, we're going to move a team from Edmonton to Houston. Right. There's going to be way bigger money from Winnipeg to Phoenix. Right. But Bettman came in and stood up for the Oilers. I honestly don't think the Oilers would be in Edmonton if Gary Bettman wasn't commissioner. Yeah, I can actually agree with that. Like, I was I was like three or four, so I didn't know what was really going on. But I remember, like, those are early memories of the Oilers are going to leave in 99 or it was early 2000s. It was crazy. It was for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's all I heard about as, as a little kid. Oilers are going to leave. And, I mean, I have no recollection of what the Jets leaving, but I'm sure Gary Bettman tried to have something go on here to make sure the team didn't leave. But Well, now that he's defending the Coyotes, and it's weird how the Coyotes – you know, leave Winnipeg to go to a large American market. And, you know, I remember like they had all the money in the world for Ronick and whatnot in those days for them to have fallen on such hard times that they're now the bitch of the league is crazy. Yeah. But I mean, they, but, they've had what one, two, three, maybe good years in the 27 years that they've been kicking around. Well, they botched where the arena was right. I mean, yeah. this is so key when you're planning a team, obviously being in, where is it? Scottsdale Glendale one of the Glendale 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 they want to move it to Scottsdale that's right but like I don't know what the fuck that means as a non-Phoenix person Edmonton's arena is smack in the heart thank goodness Winnipeg's is right on Main Street as well right remember Ottawa moved their arena to Kanata right yeah which is like out of town and that like tanked the franchise yeah. Nobody wanted to make the trek out to Canada to watch the team. Like, well, that's could you crazy. imagine going to Leduc to go watch the Oilers? I would go to Calgary to watch the Oilers. It's not the same. I would gladly go anywhere to watch the Edmonton Oilers play. Oh. Um, but I think that if it's too hard for people to get interested in the team, you don't have the same hardcoreness of fans. Well, no, I mean, like, you think about the average guy, he gets off of work at 5, 5 30. You got to cruise home, get a quick shower. 
then you got cruise off to you know canada which is 20 minutes out of town it's like yeah it's so hard for the average guy to truly care about his team i worry well worry yes worry i worry that it is beyond the means of normal people now to go to oilers and other hockey games absolutely it is uh, and I, I, you, uh, the Jets had their lowest uh, home opener attendance since they've been back just because it's so damn expensive to just go to a game. If I'm a family of four, knowing it's going to be like likely six to $800 to go to the game and eat and do all that shit, it does not make sense to do that. No, put your money aside and go to Mexico for the year with the family. Well, Jesus, Murphy, you damn well can. Like, you can go to four others games and watch them lose 4-3 and shoot muffins into the crests of opponent opponent goalies, or you can go to Cabo. Yeah. I'm going to Cabo every time. Sorry there, uh, everyone that's we, watching the game. But this is kind of the what we try to do with Oilers Nation is, like, we want to make it as fun as possible for people who, whether you go to games or not. Yeah. It's free to follow us on social media and say poo-poo jokes. It's funny. It's free to listen to our podcasts. None of this shit's behind a paywall. Nope. It's free to go to our website. It's all free. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think like I genuinely think that like the Edmonton Oilers have succeeded so well in the last especially through the decade of darkness, just because you guys were willing to be those goofy guys. You think? I one thousand percent. I believe that building would have been empty to about ten thousand people a night had Oilers Nation not been around. No, you don't truly believe that. I 1000% believe that. The, wow. the 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 hype, the absolute insanity of, oh yeah, the Oilers are going to win with I can't even remember who replaced Sel- Sheldon Surrey. But like I was like, yeah, the Oilers Nation believes I believe. We're going <laughs> to win with Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly as the guy. Oh man, I remember when I was like Eric Cole is going to change the franchise. <laughs> and then Eric Cole came from Carolina. And he moved into a house next door to a dude I knew. And he goes, uh, you'll never guess who moved in next door to me. And I'm like, who? He's like, Eric Cole. I'm like, Eric Cole is going to change the fortunes of this franchise. He goes, no, he won't. His wife told me they don't even want to be here. Uh. I was like, I hate Eric Cole. And for the remainder of his time as an oiler, it wasn't a long time. Turned out he was telling the truth. Yeah. Those were the darkest years. Like, when we had Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly, we could at least make mountains out of molehills and get excited about shit. But there was, like, Oilers Nation started in 07. Yeah. So there was the 07 to 10, where, like, we just lost the cup. Every single player had left, right? Yeah. And we were the, we didn't have any first picks overall. We were still trying to cobble together, like, Robert Nielsen and (laughs) Sam Gagne. Like, Sam Gagne, God bless him, he did it. (laughs) <laughs> we needed him to play quick and he did. Yeah. But those were even worse decade of darkness years in my mind. Yeah. Like that, uh, that 2009, 2010 season, I think I was in grade eight and I just like, everyone's like mid January, like the Oilers lose this game. They're in, you know, out of the playoffs or they're going to be dead last. It's just like, yeah, this sucks, but at least we can fail for, or fall for hall. Oh my God. I remember one year, I can't remember which year it was. They blend together into a big blob of, hilarity but we were out by halloween yeah i remember that year and i, I remember saying was... to bag milk this has got to be some sort of record like we're out and we know we're not back in the playoffs it's like <laughs> oh no we're not going back in the playoffs and i was like oh no 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 so you have to make your own fun right because we're lucky enough to be able to speak on behalf of like we were making hockey content so let's just talk about what there is to talk about 
yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, it, it's all worked out for you guys in the end. So that's the big one. But yeah, I, I genuinely believe that you guys put a ton of bums in seats back in the day. That's so funny. I never really think about that. I I like to think that people just like the Oilers and we filled a need that would have been there otherwise. But who oh, knows? yeah. But I mean, like if you're if you're going to believe some nonsense that, you know, Eric Belanger is going to be the guy or Theo. He Peck will be the guy. He signed for a third year, Goose. He could have <laughs> just signed for two. He signed for a third year because he <laughs> believes in what we're doing here in Edmonton. Yeah. Went well for him. Good God. Good God. Uh, Good God. You know who's a mysterious, mysterious dude at this point in his career and life that you guys watched for a long time is Evander Kane. Ooh, that guy. Yeah, you. I, I make any sort of comment about Evander Kane, and it is it's it's just as big as Dustin Bufflin. It's like it's crazy, man. It's money. And it's it's crazy how <sighs> he is on his best behavior. Yes, at this point in his career, and he's playing with Connor McDavid, and he's playing with Leon Drysital, and it is not his team. And there are people who have fully bought into what the Oilers are doing here in the dressing room. And if he were to fuck around and find out, he would, right? And I think that it's probably the best scenario he could be in at this point in his career, being here in Edmonton. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like, I'm really rooting for the guy these days because it's like, and I feel so bad for him. He's like, he kind of has a nail Yakupov track record. Obviously, there's differences. Uh, but like, you, you look at, could you imagine being 18 years old being paid whatever he got paid and go being in Atlanta. How do you, I don't how do you know, emotionally deal with that? I don't know what Evander Kane is. Yeah. I don't know who or what we're dealing with. I don't know how much of his behavior is in the past and people change, even though that's very rare. Right. Yeah. But there's something I don't know. <laughs> oh, are you calling like there's some shenanigans that uh, Daryl Cates well, is making sure that our no, 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 not any shenanigans like that. Just I think Evander Kane is a complicated dude who's done some fucked up shit. Yeah. And yeah. like, how much as a fan base you get like gaslit by 2023 Evander Kane, who's like, no, no, I'm the greatest guy in the world. Don't worry, right? Versus like who he's been in the past, and then how much of in the past is a bad rap. Yeah. He's just one of those polarizing dudes that like when you get your gear thrown in the shower and shit, Oilers fans are like, ha ha. Right. But what he was actually up to, he's an odd story. I've never seen anything like Evander Kane. And I hope not to ever again. (laughs) Every time he scores, I'm just like, (laughs) I don't know what to make of him. That's interesting. I, I thought everyone was just bought into new Evander Kane. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no. there's a he, he's done nothing but deliver since he got here. Yeah, yeah, and he like, hasn't had a squeak of scandal since he got here. No, no, but like, but it can always come back. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, but like then you think like if you're gonna be a truly championship team, you're gonna need to get some value contracts. You're yeah. gonna need to take some chances on players. You're going to need to get some rehab projects, not rehab of like drug and alcohol rehab, but like people looking to rehabilitate their career and great teams find a way to get players producing at a level that they couldn't play, produce that elsewhere. And that's how they sign these value contracts, 
right? So Evander Kane legit did the oil a service by signing the contract that he did. Yeah. But he's also getting to play with Connor and Leo. Yeah. So what's his next contract going to look like? So- I don't. How old is he? Got to be getting up there. Yeah. I mean, he was with the with the thrashers. Fucking thrashers. Yeah. So- and he just about cut his hand off last year, right? He's not a spring chicken. No. But you got to think someone's got to be willing to chuck him at least another million dollar contract. Well, he's doing, I mean, how many goals he have last year? He had a great year. He did. Even missing all those games after that, yeah, that wrist injury, the fact he's still rolling. That's a hard injury to come back from. Yeah. Especially if you're him and you're a shooter. I I don't know how many people could have actually come back from that and continue to play. Yeah. So, I don't know. I wish you all the best, Evander Kane. I wish every Oiler the best. I wish every player in the NHL the best. Just, I don't know. There's something weird yeah so like we're talking about like jets like they've kind of left a bad taste in your mouth is there one that's currently on the team that you're just like yeah this guy can <laughs> no. actually kick rocks no no no, no 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 i love the jets um i really liked andrew ladd oh yeah yeah when he signed the five-year deal and became the captain and shit i can't remember what was going on but you guys were having some drama and he just like stepped up and was like winnipeg jets for life son and i was like that's what you need you need leaders to stand up and be like one thing that really pisses me off and i think you guys get this a lot too i remember what can't remember what year it was but there was a poll of nhl players that said edmonton's the worst place to play in the league and not a single oiler came out the next day and said no it isn't and it was before Connor McDavid or it was his rookie year or something. Yeah. But the disservice that the athletes do to the city when they don't come out, just lie, you stupid idiots. Yeah. Just come out and be like, no, I love it here. And Winnipeg gets that too. All the right? time. And like, truthfully, if I was like an owner of an NHL team and I heard some prick didn't want to come play in Edmonton or in Winnipeg, I'd be like, we wouldn't want you here ever. Because if a minor inconvenience for your life for the short window where you're going to be a god is you don't want to spend 80 days at your home city while you play a sport that people would kill to play, if this is too much of a hurdle for you to climb over, we wouldn't want you here, you fuck boy. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think guys like Andrew Ladd lay that down. They were like, I'm a good player. I want to play here. I just signed a five-year deal. And that's the kind of leadership you need. And Connor and Leon bring that. That's one of the reasons I love them so much, right? Yeah. Is it like Connor likes it here? Yes. And Leon does too, right? And they like do the dumb shit in the community that you do when you actually care, right? Well, you look at like the new Jets captain, uh, Adam Lowry, who is a stud. I love him. Fourth line, yeah. third, fourth line guy, loves the city. Mark Shanks yes. and Connor Hellebuck, seven more years in Winnipeg. And, you know, that's a thing I've heard since I moved here. No one wants to be in that fucking city. Blah, 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 blah. It well, sucks. It's cold. It's like, look, just look at the guys who just resigned here. And you're going to tell me this place sucks. You can, yeah, get out of here. Buy a house. In the, you just made so much money over the seven-year contract. Buy a house in the south of France and go there for four months a year till you're dead and thank the good folks in Winnipeg for paying for your warm house. Yeah. Right? It's a very, for everybody who's like, oh, people don't want to play in Winnipeg, blah, blah, blah. You can also remember most NHL players aren't capable of delivering shit in way of results. Yeah. So these little like 
wishy-washy players who don't want to go play in a market where it matters. They just want to go to a secondary market and be left alone and earn their money. And they're never going to win in a market like that. Like Johnny Goudreau going to Columbus. Like, good job, you twit. You're never going to win shit there. There was one of the few places that could afford you. You just wanted to get away from a fishbowl. Well, okay. Yeah. Enjoy playing in Columbus. Yeah, I really couldn't imagine going there. But again, you're, you Columbus know, this is actually a super sweet city. Is it? Yeah, because that's got, yeah. got the hall, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, it's a college town, right? And like there's the guys play there. Like Columbus is actually an awesome, awesome, awesome place. I couldn't believe it when I went there. It's just the Columbus Blue Jackets uh. aren't good <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> term right like that's coming from an Oilers fan it takes one to no one but like if you're Johnny Goudreau going to Columbus in what was it 2021 yeah 2022 something like that you can't be going there with any expectation of winning anything give me a fucking break yeah. it's not that Columbus isn't a cool place it's that the hockey team's in fucking disarray uh, yeah much like the Oilers of old we did a spectacular job of coming at last, last and last and last again until the gods of hockey just said, fuck, send the McDavid, send that yeah. down the pipe. That'll get everything <laughs> sorted out. Yeah. Except for then, you know, it seemed like Chicago doesn't have to suffer for like anyone else did like, oh yeah, you just finished up a dynasty, had a couple bad years and new dynasties on the way. You know what though? If you're, hmm, how to put this, it is good for the game to have the Chicago Blackhawks be a cornerstone franchise. You think even after they're like the, that black eye and even like the 20 years or they were just awful getting them well, pumped the, up again. I think the, like the black eye of what's gone on of late, like, yeah, like that. Uh, they, the it, I'm happy for Blackhawks fans. I'm happy for the city of Chicago. I'm happy for people who've been cheering for the Blackhawks their whole life who are like, what did my team get involved in? What the fuck are we talking about? And now they have Bedard. They have a new page in the book, mm. right? I just think it's good. Like, it's just time to close the chapter. And, like, imagine being a fan of the Blackhawks. Like, every time your team's in the news, you're just like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> like, <laughs> we found a whole new thing that's worse than being bad on the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So for them now to get Connor Bedard to come in, he's like, I don't know anything about anything. He shoots, he scores. Like it's good to have that rebirth. Yeah, I, I guess so. That is a that's a good way to look at that. Uh, but do you think like the NHL struggles to market like just Canadian players? Like, oh yeah, man. We didn't man, hear and it, nothing about Connor McDavid the same way we hear about Bedard. No, I think that the NHL it doesn't do itself any favors with how it markets the game. And I think that the NHL is getting caught up to and passed by sports like MLS yeah. because I think the MLS because it's a new league and the markets are all new like I remember when David Beckham went to play for the Galaxy and it was owned by like a shampoo Herbalife or some shit you're like what are you doing David Beckham right but he was truly laying the infrastructure for all these teams to be gigantic yeah. and when he brought over Messi to his team in MLS and suddenly that team's probably worth more than most NHL franchises. And then the subscriptions to Apple plus like move the needle noticeably because you have to have an Apple plus subscription to see Messi. You just really have to kind of give them credit to the effort that they're putting in. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like the NHL is putting in a similar effort. So do you think they would like benefit from like, cause we got this guy by the name of Rucker McGordy, who's going to be a stud in this league in the next couple of years. Rucker McGordy? McGordy. 
What the fuck kind of name is that? How old is this person? Uh, he's like 19. He's from Nebraska. What? He's yeah. 19. Where is he playing right now? Uh, you, uh, Michigan. University of Michigan? Okay. Is he property of the Jets? Why do you know this guy? Uh, Yeah, property of the Jets. Drafted in the first round last year. Good dude. Like, all around great guy. But I was just like, why is the NHL just marketing the hell out of Rutger McGroarty for the, you know, three years when he's actually a part of the team? Get him hyped But, up. like, how do you market the NHL, I think, is the real question that yeah. we need to ask. Right? How do you in 2023 get through to all these young people and grow the game. When you say grow the game, you're basically saying get young people involved. Yes. Right. Well, And I, I think that a thing like Oilers nation, if that could go league wide, would straight up turn the league around. We're trying. I know. I know you guys are doing fantastic. Edmonton. <laughs> I'm like, please someone know, come help like us out here. And J yeah. uh, with JN, like we yeah. have the potential. Well, Canucks Army's doing awesome. Leafs Nation's doing awesome. Daily Faceoff's doing awesome. The Frank Sarah Valley experience of can we hire the top of the food chain to come and work for our hilarious little pirate ship of idiots in Edmonton worked out great. I think that um, for the NHL to grow, it would need to really embrace it being a worldwide sport. And I think that it's really hard for the casual fan in international markets to watch their favorite hockey team or player play. There's oftentimes regional deals in place. So they can only watch one game a week. Oftentimes it's like there's no um, – like you have to watch bootleg games. I've been international and tried to watch Oilers games, and I have to like fry my laptop watching them like a Belarusian stream and shit like that. And I think for the NHL to get out of its own way – and just beam content to every pair of eyeballs on earth that gives a shit about watching the NHL. I just don't know if they're willing to do that as an organization. Hmm. There's a, have you ever heard of one championships, the MMA league? No, I haven't. So there's a billion dollar MMA league in Asia called one championships. And it's like a competitor of the UFC, but their business model is, all their content, whether it's interviews or fights or training sessions, it's all free and it's all on their app. Yeah. Yeah. It's and a, it should not be a fight to go watch what you want to watch. That's how you become no. successful. And they just are like, if you give a shit about one championships or any one of our fighters, we are going to like hit you with a fire hose of content all free. And because it's in Asia and people watch it on their phones, because a lot of people don't have TVs. People who maybe don't get to watch a satellite game on soccer or something like that can watch it from the comfort of wherever they are with their phones. It's growing the sport. It's a billion dollar league that didn't used to exist. And I think that like, that's the kind of attitude that we need to start thinking about. If we want to grow the game, it has to be digital. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I had a night where I was going to watch uh, like a jets preseason game at the office and our VPN is in Calgary. So I couldn't watch the game even though I'm in Winnipeg and I just, I, I lost it. I was having a bad day. So I really lost it on the world for that. But I just like, <laughs> man, where the hell is YouTube UT, uh, TV? Just like get those games on there and it doesn't matter. Just open it up to everyone. I should be able to watch the Florida Panthers take on the Carolina hurricanes without any hiccups. 
I used to be, and this is back in the day, I don't do it anymore, but I used to be renowned on Oilers Nation on social media for handing out fake stream links to people, like real stream links, right? Yeah. But people would just be like, hey, Wanya, hit me with a stream for tonight's game. And like, I'm a computer guy, right? Like, I'll always know the streams. And uh, I would link to it. And then the Oilers or whoever would get like so mad because they're like, <laughs> why are you giving these streams out? And I'm like, because people want to watch your fucking game, you idiots. Yeah. Right. Like the fact that they're taking press conferences, which are very low value content. Let's be fucking real here. Yeah. I'm putting that behind a paywall on Oilers plus like that's so lazy. Yeah. But I mean, Oilers I love, plus. I love what you guys do where you just like you post those video, uh, ha- chunk of those interviews all the time. Like, good for you guys. I want to see it. I don't want to pay to watch Jay Woodcroft talk. What the hell's the matter with everybody? But yeah. having said that, like Oilers Plus, you could have such amazing content if you wanted to. Like, have you seen what they do with Eli Manning for the Giants? No, what do they do for him? So he has a show and he's retired and not everybody can be Eli Manning. And I understand that. But he has a show where he basically just talks to celebrities as Eli Manning. And like he goes to Pete Davidson's apartment and Pete Davidson has giant stuff everywhere because he loves the giants. Right. And then Pete Davidson and Eli go to practice and they say some funny shit and a player comes over and Eli tells a joke and Pete Davidson laughs. And like, it's unbelievably good content. Right. Is that just because we have like every hockey player is a robot. Like we can't get anything more than, yeah, I got take pucks deep and score more goals than the other team. If I was the Oilers and I was serious about growing the game, I would hire Oscar Clefbaum to come back. I would hire Neil Yakupov when he retires. I would go and get Yessi Puliyarvi when he retires. And I would make Russian, Swedish, and Finnish Oilers content where they're the anchormen. And if you beamed Finnish Oilers content out for five years with Yessi Puliyarvi and a Finnish journalist that you hired, and it was just Oilers content just in Finnish, you would get Finnish hockey fans liking the Oilers because you put out all this Finnish content. And I'm not saying this as some lunatic. I'm no. saying that this is Oilers Nation who has Oilers Nation Germany who was started by German Oilers Nation fans. Like, can we start our own website? Or like, knock yourselves out, Playboy. Can we use the logo? We're like, do it up. And they make their own articles and do their own blogs. And that's us. We're not even a real team. Right? If you want to embrace the game, go get regional successful ex-Oilers, a Russian, a Swede, a Finn, bring them home, and now you've got five Louis DeBrusques. Yeah, but they're making content in their mother language and there will always be Swedish Oilers they can focus on, but they can just talk about the team in general. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you asked me, Goose. Oh, <laughs> I don't mean to rant like that, but they could no. be doing a lot of shit. I, I live for the rant because I've been like, why hasn't like the NHL is getting overtaken? Like we're no longer the fourth biggest league. And it's just like this sucks because hockey is a fucking great game. And it just doesn't get the love that it deserves. And this was the impetus for why we started the nation network. Yeah. Right. We're just like, we need to do something. Ryan Smith got traded. Fuck. Let's start up a Ryan Smith protest site. Yeah. And then away we went. Right. It's like, we really love hockey and don't think that it does a good job marketing itself. So we tried to do something about it. And now we have 110 people that work for the company. Yay. Are we ever going to get like a reprint of the old, where is or uh, missing Ryan Smith shirts? We did actually. Somebody wore one to a party. It was funny because we made my sister design that for us. 
she's like, I'm not even a graphic designer and I barely know how to operate Photoshop. We're like, no one's ever going to see this. And then like 15 years later, somebody was wearing a reprint of it. It was pretty funny. So I'm just gonna have to steal that and uh, make my own Where is Ryan Smith shirt. Well, you're a Jets Nation. (laughs) You just send a letter or an email to somebody at head office and say, I insist you recreate one for me. And someone's job will be to help you out. Dang, I, uh, yeah, I have, we can talk about this uh, privately because I've had some issues with that, but uh, that's that's yeah, getting what merch. Yeah, man, I have wanted Jets Nation merch for since the first day that I started. I have come uh, up with yeah. like six T-shirts and then they're like, yeah, no one wants to buy this. And like, it's true, though, <laughs> like, it's true, I, though, if, right? Don't if, get me wrong. No, we love I'm, merch. I, I've got a garage. It's like I would hot. I would put all that stuff in there just to make sure we could sell like five T-shirts. I don't even care. I remember when uh, tracksuits don't fly. Remember that, right? With yes. Kane? I was like, oh my God, it is time to make the best selling t shirt in the history of time. Jets Nation, these tracksuits don't fly. And we ran to the printers to make these motherfuckers and nothing sold. And I was like, you know what? That's why everyone in Winnipeg is bare chested. They hate t shirts. <laughs> but I, like, did you guys ever have anyone like legitimately in Winnipeg writing full time? Full time, no, no, or like, but you've had a handful of writers from Winnipeg. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the bulk of the sites until they get traction are having like people who work on contract to do other things. Yeah, right. Yeah, and we've had I can't remember like well how long have the Jets been back? Fourteen years, give or take. So we've had a site going since the minute it hit the ice. Yeah, yeah. It just it, it's it's just one of those things I've never. But you know what you do if you can't get what you want? You fucking make your own Jets Nation t-shirt, sell them bootleg, and remit $80 to head office and say, told you. Yeah, that's the goal. Maybe I'll No one's going to prevent you. I guess so. I've just, I don't know. You get caught up with the corporate side of things. It's like, I I know these guys wouldn't sue me, but I also don't want to have to like. We would never sue you. (laughs) We've never like. And I'm speaking for myself here, not the like we are owned, but we were purchased, I might add. Yeah. But uh, the people who bought us Playmaker are actually really good folks. We really like working with them. But um, there's a threshold of annoyingness that you put up with in business where yes. you're like, ah, fuck, I'll allow it. If you're like, I made my own Jets Nation shirts and sold eight of them because I insist no one's firing you for this. Give me a break. That's fair. I mean, I'm at this point where it's just like, I don't know. Well, again, we could get into that another time. No, let's talk about oh, it on the air. Well, Look, we okay. had a party the other day. We had a party the other day in Vancouver. And we have had parties in Vancouver for a decade. And they're never good. Mm. Now, that's compared to other nation parties, which have been raucous since the day the site started. And we've had more epic parties than probably wins. But Canucks Army just had a party on the weekend. And there was no tickets available and like a bunch of people waiting in line Whoa! and the bar was completely full and everybody Canucks army was like, Whoa, what the fuck just happened? Like we've been having these parties for years and no one ever came. Canucks army is significantly bigger than it's ever been. And because they're fun, because they have beer now, because they're putting personality into it, a whole bunch of people showed up at their party. Yeah. Yeah. I love listening to David out there. Like he's so much fun. And like, I, I, I'm not shocked that, but you can't tell me that you can't do that in Winnipeg. Uh, I can. It's just I'm a one man army. Well, but the the followers, the fans, the Jets fans, they're your army. 
I suppose. I mean, they definitely are. They, they are, they're the army behind me. It's just like, I, there's a lot of times where it's like, I am the guy, I mean, God bless Ava who does a lot of the social media and she's okay. Like, Ava, what's her last name? Tarant? Tarant? Funniest she woman is, out there. Like hilarious. I swear to God, she's the funniest fucking hockey fan of all time, man. Yeah. Oh, like absolutely. the amount of times her memes are like hand slappingly hilarious. She's doing like three a day, man. Oh, I know. She's ridiculous. And like still working for another hockey company too, and still putting out just quality content. The God two of you together woman. have more. You should do a podcast with her. I have tried for the last year and a half to f- get her on this stupid podcast. And she's like, yeah, 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 we'll do it. And then just never does it. Like, ah. Oh. She's shy? What's the problem? I'm not even sure. And I, I hate being confrontational to be like, hey, what's up? Like, why haven't you hopped on my podcast? So we'll get it. All right. Let me spit you some game here. Here's what I would do if I was you. I would go and find a sports bar in Winnipeg that you want to work with. Okay. Okay. So, like, we used to own the pint Winnipeg. So I would have volunteered that, except they turned it into a Joe's. Yeah, bastards. Well, thank God they did. It's well, a hard was, grind. Was that uh, that pint not succeeding here? It was succeeding, but like with what restaurants have gone through from 2020 to 2023, like we own a lot of restaurants and bars and the like and Oodle Noodle and all sorts of things. And I can tell you that the hospitality industry on the whole took it in the nuts in an unprecedented way for like three years. Yeah. So the fact that we were able to sell, I think we sold that in 2016, if I'm wrong, 2017. But anyway, somewhere in there. You can't go to Pint Winnipeg because it doesn't exist. But I would find whatever the good sports bar is in town, and I would go up to the manager and be like, have you ever heard of Jets Nation? And he'll go, no. And you'll go, of course not. But do you want to work on having lots of Jets fans here in your bar? And he'll say, sure, because who doesn't want Jets fans in their bar? Leverage that bar being popular to host events there. Ooh. And that and just be like, I'll come here and host Jets games for you. You could probably charge them. You think so? For sure. Like here in Edmonton, we have a bar called First Round. And a guy who works for us, First Round has no spend with Oilers Nation whatsoever. He goes and hosts Monday Night Football there. And he gets paid for it. He gets paid for it. They give away prizes. He does trivia. It's like a fun hosted event. Uh. If you just go to a busy sports bar and declare it your Jets Nation party, people will come to the false conclusion that it's busy because of Jets Nation. When in reality, it's always been busy. Like the pint in Edmonton. We've ran, we're partners in the pint, right? We've ran so many parties at the pint over the years. And it got to the point where the pint was so busy and our parties were so busy that you couldn't tell who the hell was at the party, whether it was nation people showing up or the pint just being busy. But all you knew is you were having an awesome time at all the Oilers events, Oilers nation events there. Yeah. Right. You could do that in Winnipeg. And if suddenly you're in the bar now and suddenly you're hosting the events and you're giving away jets nation stickers and shit like that. And you have a pile of t-shirts for sale. You can grow an audience. Yeah. I sure can. It's is it annoying to have to do that? This gets back to like doing what you love. Personally, I've been to a lot of parties in my life and I don't really want to do it anymore because like I'm the anonymous Others Nation guy. Yeah. But if I was you and I was trying to get Jets Nation to become more of like a thing, I would definitely start hosting parties in your market at the busiest sports bar you can. All right. I think that's going to be the next ticket here. You should. Yeah. You know what? We're going to make a goal. February. Why not? Try to have at least one party. 
if you ask five sports bars, do you want to like throw a regular every weekend for the next eight weeks and there's a Jets game, I'm going to come in here and do like intermission trivia for you. You said that to them. And just be like, I'm not going to charge you to start. I'm just going to see if this works. Yeah. And if they walked around the room and they're like, do you like that intermission trivia? And the people there are like, yes. You'll probably get a gig out of it. then. And then you do it in the name of Jets Nation. Yeah. And that's, and like, honestly, the amount of times it's like, oh, you're the Jets Nation guy. It's so strange. But yeah, it's, uh, we're going to get parties going. That's Bars awesome. always want parties. And they, yeah. even if they don't know Jets Nation, they know the Jets. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So it's not hard to sell them on. Do you think we can get Jets fans in here? If you already have Jets fans in here, let's make it more fun for them. Let's do a night. Let's have a host. Let's give away prizes. They're always sitting on a ton of beer merch to give away as prizes, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's my advice. No, I I appreciate the advice because I've just been kind of staring into the void. Like, how am I going to take this to the next level? I'm, you know, you got to get in front of Jets fans and you got to be like the master of ceremonies of having doing fun shit. Like, did you ever see when we went to the, the game as turtles? Yeah, I did. And that was awesome. Mystery. I was, I'll tell the story because you don't have a lot of listeners. So no one's going to listen. It's all good. But I was no. meeting with the Oilers at the time. Oh. And I was like, we do what we want. And they're like, no, you don't. And I'm like, we do too. We do whatever the fuck we want. And they're like, well, stop doing whatever you want. We want you to do this and this. And I was like, I will never do this or that. And I could have a, fucking event anytime i please and they're like what do you mean and then that night we went to the game as turtles at the oilers nation on a friend and we were in like i'm not exaggerating i tell you we took hundreds of photos with people i'm not even shocked i saw hundreds of photos on socials of you guys doing that and i mean it was to prove a point yeah matthew chuck is a turtle we the costumes cost 30 dollars we printed off oilers nation logos and stitched them on ourselves and matthew kachuk name bars and for less than $400, we threw our own massive Oilers-themed stunt. And it's, it's You could funny, do something like, like that a year tomorrow ago, for the Jets. It could. It really could. I mean, like, a year ago today, it would not have happened. Like, I was unemployed and broke and just like, I'm going to make my little hockey blog go. I swear to God. Good on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I if took you a lot said, of shit for it. If you said, I'm going to get a Jets Nation costume of some sort and wear it to the game and do a stunt in the name of Jets Nation to get people interested in it with a big logo on the front. Yeah. It's no different than what we did. No, You're no. showing up where there's a ton of Jets fans and doing something like Matthew Kachuk as a turtle. Like You need to find an inside joke like that that you can pull off as a stunt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, if I was a little bit more prepared, we weren't doing this today. Pierre-Luc Dubois is coming to town and he is known for working at Home Depot. So... Missed my shot. Here. That's funny. That. Oh, yeah. That's funny. And it's all, again, we're going to throw it back to Ava. Uh, she was the one who caught on to that somehow. I'm not even sure what the original story is, but it just like Pierre Luc Dubois works for Home Depot now. Honest to God, she is so funny. If she's shy, I get it. Because like not everybody wants to go and like do podcasts or parties or something like that. I, I totally understand. Yeah. But man, if you could convince her. Yeah, I just I just need her once. That's all I do. She's a meme lord, and she that's is. a high designation to give to somebody. It really is. Like someone tried to call me a meme lord. Like no, no, no. I'm just a guy who makes memes. There's a there's a very distinct difference. I'll get there one day. But if she's I she's top whatever. five NHL content creators online of all time for me, I, I I put her in like my number one. There's no one better. 
Like I, you're right up there. Don't get me really? wrong. I l- fucking love your memes. They're so funny. <laughs> where I just like, oh yeah, that's a Wanye. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Comes from the heart. It really does. Like I know every one of those is, yeah, just tailor crafted for Oilers Nation, and they're. So I'm trying to do them. a meme a day is my challenge this year. Ooh. A meme a day, and it has to make me laugh. And a lot of times they don't. I got to make it, and I'll come back to it 20 minutes later and be like, no, it's stupid. Yeah. A meme a day. Can you do 365 funny Oilers memes in a year? By God, I'll try. I've been making Oilers or Oodle Noodle memes since 2017. Have you seen that Indian restaurant down in, I think it's, I want to say it's in the States, where they just make their own memes about their uh, noodle shop? And I know it's not Oodle Noodle. Somebody else is doing that? No, yeah. they call. And they've—I can't even remember right now off the top of my head. But they've oh, got I'll find like, that. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I've, if I find one of their memes, I'm sending it off to you. But they've got like a half million followers just because of their memes, and they're that's ridiculous. like us, but ten thousand. Yeah, it. damn it. Oh, but the oodle noodle memes—those are spicy. Everyone's got to go check those out. They are. Noodle noodle is a restaurant chain here in Edmonton that the we're partners in. And we run the social media content and it, all the dishes at Oodle Noodle, while delicious, look identical. Yeah. So it's very hard to make content. And we make different box designs, like they're little cardboard boxes, like takeout boxes. And we always do different designs with local artists and shit. So that's kind of cool. Like it changes it up a little bit. But the only thing we've found that hits for social media content is noodle memes. God bless the nudes. So we make noodle memes. We make them by thunderous Christ. <laughs> Uh, what I was now making, we've got 18 locations and now you got 18 locations I mean if I could find an investor I'd love to get one of those here in Winnipeg mostly just for cool. me but you know it's probably easier to cheaper to fly whatever you want to Edmonton or Calgary and eat oodle noodle and return to your lucrative job than to start a noodle noodle that's probably true but I don't know I, there's something that's like I just want to own one successful bar and or restaurant and you know do my Jets Nation stuff that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, hey, I, man, I got, if that's the I've game, got too if... many dreams on the go or it's like, if I could, you know, oh, do like three nah. of these great, but you never but... have too many dreams on the go. The, the, the real risk you run is you have no dreams on the go and then you don't do anything. Yeah. That's well, a much greater risk than having too much for ideas. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with that. And, and I'm so much further past that point. I'm not even worried about losing out on my own dreams. Cause it's like, I've worked too hard. Do you to... write down your plans? Oh, there is two notebooks of just plans. And I actually just recently went through them just to see, like, what did I plan in 2020 in March? It was like, oh, yeah. Big dreams there, kiddo. Good, man. I, 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 I've accomplished them. I, I wrote down, I'm going to Dauphin, Manitoba to go for my first radio gig. And I did it. And so sick. I was like, I'm going to go work at the biggest radio station in Winnipeg. Done it. Sick. So I was like, I'm just, yeah, checking off the boxes here. You can plan a fun course through life and you're already doing it, right? Yeah. And where you can run out of steam is when you run into a program director that's a dickhead. Yeah. Or you get a bad boyfriend or your teacher tells you that you're stupid or you have a boss that doesn't allow you to do side projects or like what seems like relatively inconsequential things can actually knock you off your life plan. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Like I, I, I bless my ex. Uh, she actually got me out of dolphin because I probably would have been a lifer out there. It wasn't for her. <laughs> he got like, me out of dolphin. Yeah, you sound like a 
coal miner in 1915. <laughs> like, I made my way to my claim in Dauphin, and now I got out. Yeah. <laughs> so we got out, we got, we broke free, and now we're crashing it. Like now, it, it got the you had mentioned somebody saying this is just a hobby. Is that your current girlfriend or a former girlfriend? Former. I, I still okay. live with her, unfortunately, but, uh, you know. Not what ideal. kind of kinky shit? How does that work? Uh, it's called you're too broke and the economy sucks ass and you've got a cat, so you can't move anywhere unless, you know, your cat can move in with you. You got to live with your ex-girlfriend? Not the same bed. No, God, no. Do you have different rooms? Different levels of the house. Yeah, we're good. Wow, that's very mature. Yeah, and listen, it was not an easy first three months. We, I, I've spent a lot of nights at the station, but that's okay. <laughs> and do you have? Thank God you don't work at a jail. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> and now you have a new girlfriend? No, not yet. Oh, okay. I'm like yeah. that's gotta be weird. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I just hang out, do my thing. I really don't have time for a person in my life. I'm just like, I gotta focus on all of my shit before I can find someone. I don't want to diss your ex. I'm sure she's the love. She's a great person. I could, there's very few negative things I can actually say, but she said that it was a hobby. And I'm like, do not mm. let anyone diminish your fucking dreams. Nope. Boy, girl, parent, teacher, child, whatever the fucking relationship is. If anyone tells you that you're wasting your time doing something that you enjoy, get them the fuck out of the boat, man. Yeah. Cause that is the most worst influences you can have around you or people second if michael phelps came home every day to his family and they're sitting there in like their mansion all paid for by michael phelps and they're like swimming michael still at your age don't you think it's time to get a real job like what the fuck are these people bringing to the table for michael phelps yeah don't let somebody tell you that something that you want to work on isn't worth your time that's not fair no no and like that was that was the nail in the coffin where like okay well peace but she had just bought a brand new house and she's like can you help me pay for it i'm like no well, i'm not a capitalist i'm yeah, a I'm superstar not a... <laughs> That's what you i say. am a superstar and i'll pay next to nothing in rent and my i'll pay you in here. sex that's what you say you, say, you don't want money you want thunderous d <laughs> you can have all the thunderous d you want but i'm not gonna love you think about all the people that were in bands early on and left the band because reality called yeah i so like if you go back and look at virtually any band that formed they'll have had earlier members right and like are their spouses wrong saying like quit the beatles love and come be a pipe fitter like i guess like we need money i suppose but like even having the outside chance at like getting after your dream in my mind is worth so much more yeah. Then canceling your dream because you're going to go and do the safe play. Yeah. Well, I look at like, I don't like Connor McGregor, but I look at what he, what his girl did for him and who believed yeah. in him. And she's he, a rider diamond. Yeah. She rode edge up on the top of the pedestal. And Connor McGregor rewards her by cheating on her liberally with various women. Yeah. However, she gets half. Yeah. <laughs> so she's doing all right for herself. I think people are in like short supply of support, right? Yeah. And like Conor McGregor's wife, right? Or like, you know, one gal that we love obsessing over here in Edmonton, and by we, I mean I lead the charge is Lauren Kyle, Conor's now fiance. If you think it's fun being engaged to Conor McDavid, you are an idiot. Yeah. 
it would suck being with Connor McDavid. I follow her Instagram and like when she tags her friends, like I look at all their accounts and shit because I'm crazy, right? Yeah. And when she announced their engagement, she was regramming a bunch of her friends' reactions. And one of them was, I can't believe the Grinch stole my best friend's heart. And like Connor McDavid, God bless his heart. He's an epic, epic dude and he's one for the ages. He ain't long on social skills and he ain't long on playing along. Right. Like he doesn't even play along in Scotiabank ads and they're paying him $2 million to be there. You think he's a fun guy to hang out with socially? Lauren Kyle, God bless her heart, is constantly supporting him. Yep. And like her Instagram's like, I can't wait to go to the All Star game and celebrate your accomplishments and blah, blah, blah. And like, I truly believe she means it. And you would think, like, oh, wow, whoever Connor McDavid's with would be supportive of him. Nope. Nope. I mean, not like, at all. Actually, uh, you got to think about all those girls in high school for him that were, you know, in love with him, and they didn't realize how much of an effort it was going to take to be with Connor McDavid. And Connor McDavid is probably going to be miserable his entire life. Yeah, because he's tortured by genius, and genius you can't turn off. So when everybody else is like, "Why don't we go to the south of France and enjoy our enormous fortunes?" and he's like, "I must rehab the ligaments in my ankle," and like he doesn't enjoy himself ever. That's what Lauren Kyle is signing on to for the remainder of her natural life. And like she deserves, she's come to Edmonton. She's an interior designer, right? And she has really worked to establish herself here. She has a beautiful office for her firm. She employs probably 20 people. Really? And she's doing mansions all over the place. Kyle, Kyle and Co. Design, it's called. Huh. And like she on 124th Street in Edmonton is like one of our cool streets. She has a very visible sign on one of our cool streets, Kyle and Co. And I just think like it would be very, she doesn't need to do this. She could just sit around and be beautiful and be like, what's Connor doing? I need a Chanel bag. But instead she like puts herself out there and actually like tries. And I think she's great. That's the kind of people you need to be around if you want to be successful in life. Yeah. And that, you know, and whether you want to be Connor McDavid or an orthodontist or work at the radio station and crush it on your own stuff. That's the type of people to be around that are like encouraging you, right? It's easy to shit on people. It's hard to say you have a dream and you're going for it. And I support you. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Like I've got, I've got a new kid writing for jetsnation.ca now and bless his heart. He has put up so much <laughs> shit already. He's doing God's work. <laughs> he really is. Oh, as I, I'm not a, I'm not a writer by trade. I, this is the podcasting is my, stream of consciousness and we kind of talked about it at the beginning of this where it was like just use ai it'll help you um well what we talked about earlier was like how it's hard to write but it's hard to write because of grammar and it's hard to write because of syntax and it's hard to write knowing people are going to read it and you're like i hope i don't fuck up it's easier to talk yeah so what we were talking about earlier is transcribing rants from your podcasts and turning those into the bones of articles for Jets Nation. Right? Yeah. And I know this because I'm doing this now. I'm pulling out rants that I go on and turning them into articles too, right? It's easier to take a written rant or a, like a, a oral rant and turn it into a written rant than sit in front of a blinking computer screen and try to think of what to write about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I spent way too many hours just staring at a blank screen last year being like, what the hell do we talk about today? It's hard. Yeah, But don't be worried about AI coming for your jobs. That's preposterous. You know that Drake AI song with The Weeknd? Yes, I do know of that one. So 
So when that first came out, I freaked out because I was like, oh, my God, we don't even need Drake. All we need is AI Drake and fuck real Drake. We don't need him because I thought that AI wrote the song, wrote the music, wrote the lyrics, recorded it. I thought that was everything. What the AI was, was a filter, like auto-tune, that when you sing into it, you sound like Drake coming out the other end. Oh, that was it? That's it. So somebody wrote the song, a person. Someone wrote the melody, a person. Someone wrote the lyrics, a person. And then it sounded unbelievably like Drake. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I thought you just like walked up to ChatGPT and you're like, give me a number one hit from Drake featuring The weekend, And it was like, barfed out this song. So we're a long ways away from AI replacing sports reporters. Yo, I don't think that sports reporters will ever get replaced. Like computers will never see what we see or feel what we feel. That's the second one, I believe, right? They can't create a community. No. If you look at the good content creators now, whether it's like McAfee or whether it's the uh, Barstool folks or whether it's whoever, it's not really about breaking news or hot trade analysis or any of that shit. It's just basically how big of a community of people can you entertain? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, 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 I'm not a big barstool guy, but Pat McAfee, I was like, Oh, just another American sportscaster is like, I'll catch a show. I'm like, this is actually kind of fun. See, I used to not like barstool because I was a petty bitch. And I was like, stupid Portnoy, I don't need to know nothing. And like, I don't like football. I don't even really like anything other than the Oilers, right? Yeah. But I've recently started watching like content about Barstool on YouTube just to like see. And I was actually horrified at how much we have in common with them. (laughs) I was like, oh no, we're those guys. Oh God, we're just like a but. What you got to respect about Barstool is the number of different people that have blown up off yeah. of their name in every different direction. Yeah. How many, you could probably name 25 if you like just sat down and thought about it. Oh, man. One of my favorite hip hop podcasts, Million Dollars Worth of Game, is on Barstool. And wow. even they're like, what are we doing on here? And Barstool just gets in their advertisers, lets them do their own thing, and leaves them alone. Right. It's cool. Yeah. It's the way to do it's it. It's cool. It yeah, is the way to do it. And, and, and like, wait, like, are, are you guys ever going to drop that uh, science news website on us? Space biz news? Yes. Oh, my God. How do you know that? Uh, I, I think you guys briefly talked about it on one of your podcasts like four years ago. Do you listen to that podcast? Uh, nowadays, not so much, but I still throw on Oilers Nation from time to then time. Then you did? That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. It That's was very just, interesting. I got caught up with Jets Nation and it was just, uh, again, shitty PD who was telling me to listen to all this other stuff that, you know, we don't need to talk about hockey on the radio. Whatever. No, I have half a mind to go to Dauphin and put my fucking foot in that PD's ass and oh, say, you know buddy, what you almost ruined? You prick. He, you know what? The, the best amateur uh sportscaster out there is a guy by the name of darnell duff who is in dolphin and he is in a state of paralysis because of that man uh you know the bad pd because he's just never given him that support but that darnell duff has the greatest voice and he should be calling whl or ahl games at this point in 10 years he should be calling nhl games interesting well he'll get out of there eventually won't he i don't know 
You should I have him on your podcast all the time. Actually, he was one of the OG members of this podcast. What? Yeah. He just got busy with his hockey season. So I was like, all right, Darnell, you go and be free. Do your thing. But uh, yeah, that guy, what a stud. That's interesting. So you also have an interesting window on like working with the sports casters of tomorrow, if you're so inclined. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I've, you can I've, keeping like the door open for people who want to come and help and then seeing who they turn into five years later. Right. Yeah. Like Evan, like the new guy that's writing for us. I'm so excited to see what he does. Cause he's like, can I get in on daily face off? I'm like, you need a few years to cook first, but you'll get there. Can I get it? Yes. You can be the lead correspondent. Yeah. Take over for Frank. Well, so Tyler, your M Chuck, right. Yeah. Who's our boy who um, he and I are frenemies at the best of times and Fair. actual mortal enemies at the worst of times, but we are, he's on our podcast. We went to war when we hired Frank Saravalli to make his co-host Jason Greger. Right. Yeah. And Frank's like, no, I want an American co-host. And we're like non-negotiable Jason Greger or nothing. And he was like, no, no, no. I want like someone from New York or Boston to like grow the game. We're like, no, Edmonton. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and then finally we get our way and Frank's like, all right, fine. And we're like, oh yeah, by the way, also your rem chuck. And he like hit the roof. He's like, who the fuck is your rem chuck? And we're like, our new guy. And yeah. at the time, I think he was 23. Right? Yeah. yeah. And me, me and your rem chuck have been fighting tooth and nail as he's the producer of our real life podcast at Edmonton. And we can't stand each other. He doesn't like jokes and I don't like assholes. Right. Yeah. And yet there we were. I'm like yelling at Frank Saravalli somehow that this is who needs to be on the show. And your Chuck is on the show with Frank Saravalli for three years. Yeah. And right? I mean, like, I, I'm kind of in the same, I, I don't know what your beef with Tyler is, but I just, everything, everything. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I just, with real life, I struggle with Tyler, your Truck on there. Like, I just, Oh, that's so funny. Why? Yeah. What's wrong with it? Uh, there's a little bit of a classism thing or like I, I grew up relatively poor and he's like, just go to the games, you know, you, whatever. I was just like, fuck off, man. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah, there, there's true. some of that. And it just, again, not wanting to get in on the jokes and only wanted to keeping it serious. Like, yeah, then you sound like <laughs> every other podcast out there that's talking about hockey, keep it fun. Keep it light. Well, part of the shtick, and I don't mean to draw back the curtain too far goose is that your M Chuck's playing a bit of a charade. Oh, yeah. well, He's and, not actually the grumpy Gus that he appears to be. No, no. And I, I understand that. I like, I I've been in the business long enough to know it's like, okay, yeah. he's putting on a little bit, but they're early on days where I just like, shut up, dude. I just want to hear the joke. I don't <laughs> care about what yes. Apuliarvi is doing in Finland right now. I think that it is really hard to do what you and Tyler do for part of your living, which is go on the radio. Yeah. Right. You need to have a certain level of like self-assuredness that normal people don't have. Yeah. Yeah. And right? like, I, I respect what, what your M Chuck does. There's, you know, there's a little bit of a jealousy there as well, where it's like, you just got right on into sports radio in Edmonton. And I had to grind through whatever bullshit I grind, grinded through. And I, I know that he also had to put in a grind. So it's like, but I have a huge respect for what he's done and where he's at at his career. But that's why we've upgraded he and I from mortal enemy to frenemy. Yeah. And then one day we'll upgrade it again to showman's. And then one day we'll get married there is because go. the level of effort this guy puts in. So he, by his own hand, rebuilt both our studios this summer, Whoa. like painted the walls, went and got props, brought in a table, 
rewired everything, did it all himself. Yeah, and though that studio looks sick nowadays. Sick. If he was like a prima donna for real, he'd be like, I'm not rebuilding the studio. I'm the host with Frank Saravalli. Like he wouldn't even, right? If yeah. he truly was a prick, the level of effort that guy goes to on a day-to-day basis, it's impressive, man. Like yeah. I, I honestly, he's a good guy to model a blueprint after. I don't think that his success is anything other than something that you should try to copy to shorten the time it takes you to be equally successful. Yeah. And that, and that's where I'm at now. It's just like, you just got to grind, put in all the hours you can. And, you know, eventually we'll, I'll stop recording in my own office here at work and uh, we'll have a real Jets nation studio. Well, I mean, it's amazing to see that we actually have studios now in Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, and Ottawa. And Ottawa. Yeah. We have a show with, um, Good God. What's the name of the... I don't know. How's that sound? I don't even know the name of the fucking podcast in Ottawa, Goose. But someone in Ottawa is doing something. Ian Mendez? No, that can't be right. I think it's called Coming In Hot. Anywho, it's a good show. Yeah. And uh, the fact that we're able to have studios in all those places, it's not a real wild goose chase to think. Here's the way I would look at it if I were you. Who else is going to be the popular fan journalist in Winnipeg if not you? Oh, it's going to be me. There's no one else. Everyone else there is, is no serious. one else. So you just got to like be like, okay, how can I get myself in front of as many Jets fans as possible and identify myself as being the Jets Nation guy? That's all you need to do. Yep. I am Jets Nation. Like I joke about it, but it's like I am Jets Nation at this point. Yeah. I, I totally. Li- I like being, you know. Oh, you're Jets Nation. I love that. That makes my day every time I go to Canada Life Center and someone points me out. And there's just, because there's like an actual company now that you're working with, there's opportunities that no one else will, like what you're doing going on late at night. Nobody's stampeding to be involved in Winnipeg, right? So it remains something that you have a monopoly on if you choose to. Yeah. Well, that's that's the goal here. It's like, you know, keep this rolling. The re- I would love to somehow get something where it's like, yeah, I've got the guaranteed paycheck from Rogers coming in weekly and then doing whatever I'm doing or, you know, taking Just make this- sure that you never turn your podcast off again. Never. Oh, that's not happening. It's going to take a shitload of money for someone to be like, yeah, you can stop now. But even like I've had this conversation with Steve Dangle. Where I was like, do not let those motherfuckers stop you from doing your little show in your little blue room. Because you could be on the anchor desk of Hockey Night in Canada. And that little blue room still means there's a huge number of people emotionally invested in it. Mm -hmm. And he held on. And then he was able to quit and do his own thing. Right? Yeah. And like turning off the pod is you just you even if you have 50 listeners, that's more than when you had two. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. And I mean, like, I look back at that old podcast that I did, like a slice of beef where it was like, we're just starting to hit it. And yeah, some jackass, don't worry about that. And I think that like actually hindered my career from whatever I was going to end up being, but it all happens for a reason. No, I don't think so. Because I think like, if you're going to truly do something that's hard to do, and let's be honest, sports media and podcasting and content creation, it's very hard to do, Mm -hmm. right? 
what is there a hundred thousand songs published every single day now to streaming services a hundred thousand a day why that's crazy right so if you're in the entertainment space where there's like such a high degree of washout how many people start a podcast up and do four episodes and don't do it anymore yeah how often are you looking under a hashtag and find somebody who started up an instagram account for a particular team put content on there 12 times and then abandoned it four years later right what you can control is how much content you put out yeah if you're willing to do it for free you're willing to sit in your room no one can tell you not to that's why mr beast is so cool yeah. Right. Mr. Beast is so cool because he's just some goober. But just he's like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure out fucking YouTube and I'm going to figure it out like nobody else has figured it out before. Is there anything in Mr. Beast's life that suggests he's going to be that successful? No. No. Does he think he's going to be that successful? Yes. And that's what that overall like belief in himself is what allowed him to make a million good little decisions over 10 years that added up to being Mr. Beast. Yeah. No one came and knighted him and made him Mr. Beast. He just got a little bit bigger every time. And the video of him, what did he count to like a hundred thousand or something? I think so. That's just so impressive to me. Like, what have you got? Nothing. An old laptop and a microphone. What are you going to do to make people pay attention to you? Do you have any budget? No. Do you know anybody? No. Do you know how to talk very well? No. Are you good looking? No. Like, everything is going against this kid, but he has the fucking willpower to count to 100,000. <laughs> it's just, I love it, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I love those success stories of just, he was some schmo. And he made it. And you know, like I talked to John Scott a few weeks ago and he's like, you're the Jets guy. I'm like, I'm just some kid with, you know, that's got a half dream. And he's like, no, no. But you can talk to you... John Scott. Like it's already so much easier for you to become the guy oh, you yeah. want to be than it would have been for somebody without what we have now. Like it's yeah. already a much shorter road. Like if you wanted to and you played your cards right, I don't know if you've already talked to John Scott on this show, but you could have an NHL MVP come on the show and joke around with you. You may have to book him six months in advance. Oh, we've had John Scott on twice and he is very comfortable oh, coming on this. He's such a good dude. Man. He is. And like if you said to him, John, for Christ's sakes, I'm just some guy trying to make it in this world. Can you put me on to some other guests I could have? He would deal you two or three Big names, man. That's good to know. I right? Have to because you're up. young. I used to say I was a student until I was like 28. <laughs> and my sister is like, you gotta fucking stop saying you're a student all the time. You haven't been a student for like several years. But I would just like go into the computer store to buy a computer and just walk up to the manager and be like, I'm a student and I need a computer for school. And then just prices would fall, right? Yeah. Or like we'd go skiing and I'd walk up to the counter and be like i'm a student but forgot my student id and they would just give you a student rate right oh it's crazy what you can just say to people and the prices just crumble you just need and this isn't just for pricing or for negotiating but it's also just in life right like if you actually took the trouble to count to a hundred thousand you can get a lot of shit done if you actually messaged 150 former winnipeg jets on social media if you actually took the fucking trouble to figure out a list and contact these people that you could find, you would have more former Winnipeg Jets on your show than any other show. That's very true. Can you get me Sam Gagne's information? I have DM'd him 16 times and he has not gotten back to me. Oh, no. Samwise. He's in the A right now. 
He is. And I just like, he spent 42 games with the jets and I, he was, he replaced Ryan Smith for me. He was like the next guy. And I just like, Holy shit. He's, if I was you, I would contact the condors. Oh, that's the way to do it. Sam Gagne has a, uh, interest in a hockey school called Muskoka. Muskoka. Yep. Right. And they do a really good job. And he's very serious about it. Sam Gagne is a very smart man. The Condors have a PR office. They cannot be very busy. Let's get fucking real. Yeah. If you said, hi there, I would like to do a podcast out of Winnipeg with Sam to talk about how he's still giving her in the league, how Muskoka hockey is the tits, and whatever else you want to talk to him about, I'm available 24 hours a day from now until the end of time. Can you line me up and interview Condor's PR person? They probably haven't been professionally approached by a podcast ever. Yeah, definitely not a Canadian one. That would be my attempt if I were you. But again, like that's doing, there are things in this world you can control. Yeah. If you're like, I gave away 1,200 truck stickers over the last 10 years through Oodle Noodle that say OilersNation.com. There's 1,200 truck stickers driving around with the Oodle Noodle Connect because they picked them up at Oodle Noodle. Yeah. I see one once every three days now. Is it really that often? It's crazy how many fucking trucks have these stickers on there. But I know how many there are because I paid for them all because they're free. Yeah. Well, I've, I've had two vehicles that have had those stickers on the back of them and... Like it made me feel proud to be Oilers Nation guy driving around. It's sick, right? And, and like I, when I was a kid, I used to have a golfing sticker on my truck, and I was the only one I knew that did it. And I was like, I am a street racing legend, right? And I remember being like, man, it would be so cool one day to have a company that people put your logo on their car like a NASCAR. Like I can remember thinking this. And then when we were always brainstorming ideas of how can we make Oilers Nation more famous, like we always think about this. What yeah. can we do that's free or cheap, right? And I remember being like, why don't we just make giant domain name stickers? Like you can clearly read on the Oilers Nation truck sticker, OilersNation.com. Like it is clearly a website, right? Yeah. And we gave them out. Yeah. Well, The Athletic, God bless it, and I read The Athletic. They're never going to be so pumped about themselves that they're going to give away free stickers, right? Yeah. But you can control that, and you could control if you're really dead serious on making an unparalleled name for yourself with Jets fans, give them what they want, Jets hockey. And, like, it's hard to get a current-day player, sure, but former Jets, especially guys who are, like, 35 to 43 that are still young, they would love to relive the fucking glory. Oh, they sure would. I mean, yeah, like you you guys have had Laddie Schmidt. I remember that interview you guys did. It was like two and a half hours. And I was just stoked about it because that guy was passionate and like shit talking Calgary, even though he was down there. It's like, what a good dude. The real interesting guys to talk to aren't the stars. No, no, because the stars are boring. Well, they have to be. Yeah. Right. When you're Connor McDavid, when you're Shifley, when you're Halibach, when you're like a real legit big ticket star, all you have is downside risk. All you have is, am I going to get hurt? All you have is, am I, my season going to be as good as the good one that I had that got me this big contract? And the weight of the contract or the expectations over time for most players becomes a problem. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where I see like old Milan Lucic making like seven million dollars, being like, I'm happy to get this money, but I hate my life, right? Yeah. If you talk to the guys who don't have all that pressure on them, or they're retired now, and all they're starting to remember is the good memes, they can be way more open. Yeah. Oh yeah. Going back star to that, like my first conversation with John Scott, and I just asked, like, what is the one thing you miss about the show? He's like, I miss the free sushi. Like, of course you do. We had him on and we're like so intimidated to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. That first time like, I talked to him, I was like, holy shit, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm talking to an actual NHL all-star. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, Oilers Nation. Da, 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 da. You know what I don't like about Oilers Nation? I don't like how you guys decided Ryan Nugent Hopkins is so cool. He's not so cool. And all three of us are like, what? the fuck did you just say and it was so funny because he was trolling us we didn't realize it right and he'd done his homework and we didn't realize he'd do his homework right because we're like you're john scott you're a legend you're an all-star of the nhl mvp right like it's crazy yeah well that guy's Um, just crazy smart to begin with too then you realize his story and you realize yeah like he's a very very smart man it's a, a interesting world that we get to legitimately say he's like our co-host yeah oh it's so strange it's like i i, I someone asked us like what is it like to work with john scott I'm like i guess An honor? I kind of yeah it's it's crazy i guess i kind of work with john scott it's like frank saravalli he can't, comes out here and we're like you have to play along with all our dumb shit <laughs> right <laughs> and he just like it's mind-blowing because he's frank saravalli right and yeah we said to him when we started working together, like, please don't rag on Edmonton. And he's like, what do you mean? And we're like, just, we have a self-image problem here in Edmonton that has been going on for a long time. And it's largely in the head of Oilers fans. But it's easy to make fun of Edmonton. We are who we are. And we would prefer that you don't. And he was like, I'll see. Like, he didn't say yes at all, right? But it's funny because... When we make him come up here and hang out with us, we make a bunch of content with him. Slowly, he's becoming one of us. Ooh. Yeah, I have noticed that transition that where he was Mr. Serious, and now it's a little bit goofier. Yeah, and we're like, you know what's great? The Edmonton Oilers and all things therein. He's like, I can kind of see where you guys are coming from. You don't (laughs) have a lot going on up here. We're like, no, we don't. No. But I mean, like, Yeah. I, like honestly with the Shifley and Hellebuck re-signing in Winnipeg for these long terms I know what concerts are coming to the city soon because I have that access now and it's like holy shit we are a real city people actually want to come to Winnipeg Winnipeg's awesome man Oh, and a- if you don't want to go to Winnipeg to play for the Jets you're probably not going to be an NHL player of any fucking consequence no not a chance Mark so I would Mark my thought as Somebody who like witnessed the Oilers it make a special DVD to try to convince Danny Heatley to come play for us. That's a true thing we did. Yeah. Did, have you ever seen that DVD or is that nobody has? Rumor? No, it's a real it's a real DVD, but no one's ever seen it. Like it was literally one of one. Um, did, one of the did they destroy that or see. what? I don't know, man. Danny Heatley, I think, has the only fucking copy of it. I think they like edited it together with like somebody who works for the Oilers making clips, which now is a thing a lot of people know how to do, but in 2007, it wasn't. No. Right? And I think they burned one and sent it to him. 
damn. But like, we were always up to cockamamie schemes like that, trying to like be somebody that we're not, right? And it wasn't until Connor showed up and Leon showed up that we actually like had some pride put back into what we were doing. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, there, uh, you see the pride in Edmonton now because of a guy like Connor McDavid. It's not just 100%. a bunch of blue collar workers who are just doing the best they can to squeak into the playoffs. It's like this is legit. It's one of the great life's lessons that sports has taught me. Like I remember, who was the fucking player they tried to sign? He was a Euro. We tried to sign him to like a five year deal in like two thousand eight. Was it? It was right around the time. No, like we tried to offer Thomas Vanek a lot of money and he turned us down. And then there was somebody else and his wife turned us down. Like word got out that it wasn't even the player that said no, but the wife said no. Right. Awful. But it led to I can't remember who it was. But all the time that these two bit pricks were like besmirching our city, Connor McDavid was doing sit ups, getting ready. And when we weren't able to sign, Danny Heatley. It was actually saving it from ourselves because Connor McDavid, when we tried to sign Danny Heatley 2007, what would he have been? How old was Connor in 2007? 10? Give or take. <laughs> the, yeah. guy, the guy we need to save us is only 10. No, we need help right now. No, you don't. Trust me. The guy, the guy <laughs> that's going to change everything is only 10. Give it eight more years. People don't want to think like that, right? They don't no. want to think long term. And one of the cool things that sports ultimately taught me was like the thing you could want the most, the Oilers to win, go to the playoffs, get drunk, win the Stanley Cup. That's all I want in this life, right? It can be it just out of your reach for like 10 years to the point you have to coin the term decade of darkness. But it was all leading up to exactly what you want. You just couldn't see it yet. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, what would be more heartbreaking? The Oilers never winning it or your Wanya Jr. becoming a Flames fan? Oh, bless his little heart if he wants to be a Flames fan. There's <laughs> worse things that could happen. The worst thing, people, people sometimes you'll be talking to them or they'll be like, oh, you're Oilers Nation guy. You probably wouldn't like me. I'm a fan of the Detroit Red Wings. I would sooner a real fan of any team of any sport than a fake Oilers fan. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Right? The, if the, Wanya Jr. walked out and he was like, you know what? Rhett Warner was a value contract once upon a time in Calgary. They're my favorite team. I'd be like, well, that's unfortunate. But away she goes. But I wouldn't be like, don't be a Flames fan. <laughs> what would, we were talking about, what would be worse? No Connor or losing in 06? Like, so you could win in 06, but you don't get Connor. We're debating what would be better. I would prefer Connor to that cup. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I think they, I think it was Rick who was saying it on uh, Wanye's world. There, he was just like, "Sorry, I uh, I lost my train of thought." Um, but oh, <laughs> it'd be worse. <laughs> no, it'd be worse to lose Connor than to not have a cup. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right? That, that, I, like that. Oilers and the same going forward was the Florida Panthers of that year, where just like you just showed up. You didn't. What if the Oilers? Never win a cup, but Connor plays here his entire career. That was the other half of that conundrum. I would sooner have Connor. The guy does one thing a night I've never seen anyone else do. Yeah. He is unbelievable. It's better. <laughs> yeah, I swear it's better than a cup. And it kills me to say it, 
but like night in, night out entertainment value. Think about all the teams like Tampa Bay that won a cup and they weren't even that fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, but right? you get to watch Connor McDavid. Night in, night. night out. It's bananas what this motherfucker does. I remember when he smashed his knee on the net and no one knew how bad it was. And like he almost had his career end. And then he shows up the next year and he's like willed his knee back together and he gets 10 trillion points. Like the fact that we, your earlier point about does the NHL market itself, this guy, despite having the personality of an enema, is one of the most compelling stories in sports in the last 25 years. And the fact that we're not out there able to make him seem more interesting than he is. They made Lance Bass interesting, for God's sakes, Goose. So we can make Connor McDavid interesting. We just got to have the right marketing people triggering him so that he says semi-interesting things from time to time. Yeah. Well, like, if you go, like, what was that? He had that fun suit in his rookie year. Like, where did that go? Why don't we have fun suit Connor? expectations man right like as there's nobody in this world who is harder on themselves than connor mcdavid right yeah when you watch him age like every connor year is like five years on his face yeah right and like you see him like i think ovi has like 48 career empty net goals and connor has i don't even know how many but he purposefully doesn't want them yeah, because he knows at the end of his career he has all the records, and he's already mentally thought that far ahead of. I don't want empty net goals clouding my stats, right? Like, you're a different type if you think like this. Yeah, right. But for us also to be like, yeah, but can you smile more so we can market you better? Like, it's kind of rude to be like, you're one of the best modern stories of the hockey era, but can you make yourself funnier for your AT and T ad? Like, he's so focused on what he's doing. He's not like Gretzky. He doesn't want to be a personality. He doesn't want to be a celebrity. As much as I wish, he'll never drop an album. No. Imagine he did. That'd be sick. You know what's interesting is Cam McDavid, we found this interview with him, and he was talking with Connery. I don't remember who the interview was, but it wasn't well distributed. And he goes, I remember the time I came home and Connor had taken my laptop and recorded a techno song. And Connor immediately got embarrassed. And Cam's like, it was really good. I had it on my phone for like four or five years until I lost the phone. And Connor's like, never talk about that again. I would give anything I would, to yeah. hear that. Con- and I tweeted at Cam McDavid, we need to hear this. We have the numbers to make it number one in parts of Canada. Oh, it would be a monster hit. Like, could you imagine so, that playing at every single Oilers Nation event at the Pint? People would love it. 11-year-old Connor's one techno song? <laughs> Has there been any Jets that have, like, Cooper Marodi is an Oilers prospect. Good player. He put out an album. Yeah. Have there been I, any Jets, to your knowledge, that have done anything like that? No. The only one that I can think of, like, not musically, but Nate Schmidt has a hockey tape company. And like that's the only one I can think of right now. Dustin Bufflin has got a fish like stick tape, stick tape, yeah. So I mean, staying within that realm, but like Dustin Bufflin, former Jet, has his uh, fishing stuff going on right now. And What's that? Like, What's he got? Like fishing gear? I think it's fishing gear. I'd have to go double check, but he's like a professional fisherman on the side now. It's pretty crazy uh, how Zach Hyman's got all this shit on the go. Right? Yeah, I like I like you were talking about it on Wanye's World, what you want that podcast yeah. to be, where we just talked to Oilers about their side projects. I'm like, 
for and, real. Yeah, and I, I I can't wait to hear those podcasts, especially Zach Hyman. Like that guy's I hope actually I can get these guests. It's hard, right? I'm playing the same game you're trying to play, right? Of like, how do I get interesting people to come on my show and say interesting shit? Yeah. And to have, you know, the Nuge come on and not even mention the Oilers would be great. Would be such an interesting show because all I literally know about this motherfucker, and I love Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I love Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I know he owns a racehorse named Infinite Patience. That is it don't know anything else about him and that is a tragedy we get back to talking about the nhl marketing itself how do i not know more about my favorite local heroes who've been with the team their entire career what the fuck it, why isn't the nhl promoting that horse more like everyone should know infinite patience and just be in love with that stupid horse one time a guy DM me and he's like, Wanya, I found a way to bet on infinite patience. And he sent me this link to this betting website. <laughs> and like, I'm like, you are a real Oilers fan. Like if you are looking for BC betting simulcast shady websites, so you can bet on Ryan Nugent Hopkins race horse. You're my I, kind of Oilers fan. Oh man. Yeah. You got to send me that link for next summer. Cause I want to, oh, yeah. there's got to be other jets doing wacko shit out there. Like interesting stuff. What else? Are, what's going on? There's nothing. Not nothing with the current Jets that I know of. I could be wrong on that, and I've somehow missed something big. But even the what are the storylines? What are the fun storylines about the Jets this year? Uh, no one knows what they're going to do. Uh, old man Rick Bonus is on the last year of his contract, and it could be extended by the team if they so choose. So we're waiting on that. I like that head coach a lot. So, uh, you're solid in that. Solid in net. I mean, assuming Connor Hellbuck can get it together, it's been a benefit. What we wouldn't give to be solid in net. Oh, man. Yeah. It's also why I struggle to watch Oilers. Like, Darnell Nurse, I'm one of those guys who hates on him. It's not even the contract. I just I don't know if he's the right fit. Why? I, I just, his defensive game, we're just like, it's, he, he does so many things right, but the things that he does wrong, just, it feels like it costs the Oilers so much. Fun team to watch though with Connor oh, and Leon. So much fun. Like, and like, don't even get me wrong. Like Connor Brown, I've enjoyed what I've seen out of him so far. The Nuge has been an OG legend. Wow, this year has been flattered and piss on a plate. Let's yeah. get real. But what are you gonna do? I mean, 0 and 2 to the Canucks to start. It's a good laugh en route to a Stanley Cup. Oh, hell yeah. You guys better be the oh. first team to bring the cup north of the border in 31 oh. years. I can't even allow myself to think about winning the Stanley Cup as a legitimate expectation. I, I don't think you can expect to win the Stanley Cup and be anything but disappointed in life. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. But like I, the, the moment that that cup is won in Edmonton, I'm hopping in my car and I'm making that 13 oh hour drive. To oh my God. For God. A week. We will have eight crazy nights like Hanukkah when the Oilers win the cup. I will be violently intoxicated. For yep. an extended period of time. Remember Ovi and the Bellagio? Oh, it's going to be all the opulence in the, uh... in class. Wanya in the North Saskatchewan, just thrashing <laughs> around in an adult diaper, crying. When the Oilers lost the Stanley Cup in 2006, I cried for the first time since I was in grade six. So I think I was like 25 when the Oilers lost the Cup, right? So I cried for the first time in over a decade. When the Oilers win the Cup next... I will cry for the first time since the Oilers lost the cup in 06. Are you going to replace that toilet that you broke in that one bar? 
Excellent question. You've heard the story already. I have. Your dear listeners have not, hopefully, the 50 of them that are here. Yeah. yeah I, that bar has since uh, changed like hands like 10 times. It's still a bar, but uh, the toilet that I broke in murderous rage after the Oilers lost the cup, uh, it has since moved on, thankfully. But it's good to care about something that much. Yeah. Oh, it is. And it's cathartic when you, I can only assume it's cathartic the day that you actually get that win. I will have to experience it. I mean, I had a girlfriend at the time who broke up with me that night because she's like, why would you care this much about a hockey team? And it's, I'm like, you're doing this now? Like, we just lost the Stanley Cup. You're going to do this now. And she's like, you're a weirdo. And I was like, I am a weirdo. I'm going to start my own website to find more weirdos like me. You'll see. I'll still be doing this when I'm 42 years old. She wouldn't have believed me. Well, her loss. Her loss indeed. Yeah. You know what? She's dead now. No, oh. She's not. oh. I'm just kidding. She's not dead. <laughs> I, I, dead to me. Yeah. Well. No. One time I saw her actually on the scoreboard at an Oilers game. And I was like, well, this is ironic. <laughs> of all places to see you, you witch. But yeah. you don't think you don't talk like that in polite company. You say it in your head. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Uh, was there anything on your list that you wanted to get to? I know we're meandering uh, all over the road. I, yet, so make uh, sure you hit all your key talking points. I you took did, the trouble I, of doing prep. I was impressed. It's a sign of a winner. Oh, th- I so much prep on all of these podcasts. Uh, That's crazy. You got really good habits, man. Like, don't let anyone tell you not to do a podcast ever again. Oh, no. It's, I am not listening to any of those people. I will walk away from them. And you're like, you do not have my best interests in mind. So kick rocks. I have one last question. I think we've gotten through everything. Uh, what is the best Oilers goalie setup? What do you mean? Like, you know, like Dwayne Rollison had like that sick mask back in the day. Oh, Cujo. I was a huge Bill Ranford fan back in the day. And Bill Ranford had, um, the sickest mask, but the Cujo mask. That was pretty fucking cool, too. You know what? It's Cujo. It's Cujo? I respect that. Can you imagine that? That is a crazy mask. And it was the same at every team he went to, but the color changed. And I remember it was mind-blowing to see them roll it out in Oilers colors. Like, mind-blowing. And that guy played, like, 80 games a season. Or, like, in his two seasons, like, played 80 games. Unreal what he did. When he was leaving... Um, we didn't know he was leaving yet. He spurned the oil and fucked off into the sun, which was quite painful. But I saw him at Outback Steakhouse in Edmonton at the end of the season, eating with his family, laughing. Ha 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 ha. We're rich. That was the impression I was given. And I remember stopping and squinting at him and reading his face. And I was like, this guy's not going to stay in Edmonton. I'm like, ah. he's too... You know, some people you see them and they've got like the bright light of show business that shine upon them and they're like real stars. Yeah. You know those type of people? Yeah. Cujo had that. Cujo had, you knew a bigger market was going to snatch him away for us and spend extra money. Who, where do you end up going after? The Leafs, wasn't it? The Leafs or San Jose? What are those teams? He came from, he came here from St. Louis and he went to Toronto after for big money. Big money. Probably. Because they got all the big money in Toronto. Speaking of Toronto, do you find it odd how much Max Domi hangs out with Ty Domi socially? Oh, it's crazy. I don't know if I could hang out with my dad that much. 
He's either going to be the coolest guy in the world, and maybe he is. He's Ty Domi. Yeah. Like Drake, you see how he brought Ty Domi out? I did see that, yes. So they're in the box, and like all the Leafs are at the Drake concert, and I'm like, is that Ty Domi? What the fuck is he doing there? I'm thinking to myself. But then the next thing I see is Drake bringing him out. So maybe Ty Domi is like some super cool Jedi Master guy. I don't know, like... Drake's not going to bring a nerd out with him. No, he's going to bring out someone legit. So bringing out Ty Domi, that's a, that's an, and everybody cheered so loud. I don't know if it was for Drake and Ty Domi or they were just cheering for Drake, but like the impression I got watching the video was like, they loved Ty Domi. (laughs) Can you blame him though? That dude was, but then he's like, imagine Drake came to Edmonton and brought out like Ryan Smith. I'd be like, Oh my God in heaven. Right. Maybe that's what it's like for Leafs fans. It's you got to think it's gotta be something close to that. Otherwise it's just weird to be like, dad, I'm in the NHL, man. Like you gotta leave me alone. I gotta live my own life. I'm trying to hang out with the weekend. Well, too bad. I'm hanging out with the weekend with you guys. It's too bad. Taylor Swift didn't fall in love with an NHL player. Oh my goodness. I am so in favor for it and I'm so against it at the same time. Like, I know you're doing great numbers for the NFL and you're getting that's growing the game. Yeah, that's the smartest marketing. So, do we get Connor Bedard with Olivia Rodrigo? Ooh, remember when Mike Comrie was with Hillary Duff? I do, and that she lived in Edmonton briefly. Sometimes we would see her at the grocery store, she liked it here. I can't, what, why can't you can't blame her? Edmonton's a great You know city. why? It's an interesting thing. Well, there's that. But if you're Hillary Duff, I would think you would hate it here. Yeah. But she liked it here because there's no paparazzi. Oh. Her but sister actually would come to the market all the time and buy cookies from us. Is that so? Yes. And the only Haley reason. Haley Duff? Haley Duff. And the only reason we knew it was Haley Duff because we loved Napoleon Dynamite and we we're like, that's the cheerleader from that movie. Is Haley Duff and Napoleon Dynamite? She's the head cheerleader in that movie. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Crazy. Hillary Duff was a nice lady. Mike Carmery was a good player. That's a guy I'd love to talk to. Got to figure out a way to get Mike Comrie on. Well, or he had a very... is that uh, because he had that off bad way of leaving? Well, but he came back, right? I guess That's what's so. crazy. Like Mike Comrie, I knew him. We were in with him. We went to kindergarten together. Oh. Yeah. And so he was my friend when we were little kids. And as we got older, I mean, obviously life takes you on different paths, but like, yeah, I've chatted with him numerous times about life and like consider him to be like a friend of mine when I was little. And that guy had such a crazy life, man. Like it's crazy enough. If you make the NHL, mm-hmm. it's crazy that this happens to 18 year old kids making the NHL and millions of dollars and all this physical pressure to perform all when you're like your craziest age. Right. Yeah, But Mike Comrie was even more. He was local boy, but like he didn't get drafted. He was playing the AJHL and had like 14 trillion points and then like signed as a free agent. Like he did just his own weird lane into the show and then signed a free agent contract for millions. Picking his hometown, the hardest road, and then like scored a bunch of goals including a massive playoff goal and like he was Bieber hot in Edmonton like white hot he was the the we like to make mountains out of molehills in Edmonton and we like to make stars into superstars Mike Comrie in his rookie season in the playoffs he was Ocho Cinco he was that popular (laughs) it was unbelievable and then to go through leaving Edmonton 
right? And like under a bit cloud of bad PR of like Kevin Lowe asked for him to give his signing bonus back. Remember that? Yeah. What wasn't the it like thirty million dollars too? No, no, it wasn't that much. Like, okay. I I mean the salaries weren't insane then. I, th- I think he was making, if I recall correctly, something like eleven million dollars over like four years or something like that. But three million of it was a signing bonus, and like yeah. no one had ever asked for anyone to give a signing bonus back. Then you have to remember Mike Comrie's dad is like one of the richest men in Canada because he invented the brick. Oh yeah, right. So what makes it even more mind blowing about Mike Comrie is that he doesn't need the money at all, <laughs> right? And yet, despite like his dad being a bajillionaire, his dad can't buy him his way into the NHL. But there's yeah. a lot of rich kids of people out there. It actually makes you less likely to be successful if you're the kid of a rich person mm-hmm. than more. But Mike Comrie was able, and like his older brother played for the team too, Paul, right? And he only played five games. Like, I don't know. It's a really interesting story. Who would your dream guest be? Oh, you know what? And this is going to be the simple Winnipeg answer, but I would love to have Dustin Bufflin on here. And I don't want to talk an iota of Jets hockey. I just want to talk to him about fishing. You could make that happen. I probably could. I I think I got to get into it a little bit more, find out where he's at. I know his wife is very active on social media. It's just... You know, you put that Jets name out there and, you know, the way that he left the team, it's just, it's so heartbreaking that I don't know if he would even consider it because we have that, you know, Jets name. What's the story? How did he leave the team? So long and short, he needed a surgery done on his ankle and his, and the team was like, no, you don't need that to happen. And he was like, Uh, well, uh I'm going to go get this surgery because. I would like to feel like a normal human being. And so he skipped out on training camp one year and then he was like, well, get fucked. So, you know, they mutually killed the contract, but you know, it was the team being pretty awful. So he's now retired. Retired in the same way that Jumbo Joe's retired, where it's like, he's still not technically retired, but is retired. Does he have a charity? Not that I know of. I'm sure if I got looking into it, but no, that dude's a pretty quiet guy. I don't think he wants that fame and any kind of anything. He just wants to, wants to go fishing. If you could find a way to make a donation to charity because he came on your podcast, that might be a way to get him. Well, so if it's like, Oh, I went, I went back and looked and Dustin Bufflin supports the boys and girls club of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. If you found a way to get in touch with him through his agent, even and his agent, who his agent is, is a matter of public record. Yeah. Right. Never underestimate jumping through hoops to try to do something with somebody. Right. Like if you went to the agent and you're like, hey, I'm this guy in Winnipeg. I love Dustin Bufflin. I raised $500 for Ducks Unlimited, his favorite charity. You know, he loved the Ducks. If he came on my show, I will give $500 to Ducks Unlimited. At the very least, nobody has ever said that to his agent. Mm, that's a good way to And I it. say this, that's how we got Evander Kane on our podcast. Really? Yeah, he had a clothing line. Right. And I was like, this guy probably wants to promote his clothing line. But Wanye, you can't just call up Evander Kane and have him come on your podcast. No, he has people for that. So oh. I found out who those people were. You know, at, Matt Hendricks is the guy that I actually want on this podcast more than Oh, he's else. a. We had him on our show. 
Oh, I know. And then I tried He's to a beauty. I tried to message him. And it was like, all oh, its social media is gone because it got deleted early in the pandemic. Like, oh, cool. Goodbye. But he seems like a real genuine dude. And like Hold he on, drove Matt from Hendricks deleted all his social media. No, he didn't delete it. It got deleted on him. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, his Twitter and something else got deleted. And he had like made like a quick like whatever post. And it was like, it's gone. I'm like, oh, OK. Goodbye, Matt Hendricks. You could probably get in touch with him through like the alumni association. Ooh, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah, oh yeah, they'll have an email for him. Okay, that's good to know. There's all these tricks, Goose. Yeah, I had tricks that you don't realize you don't know until somebody tells you about them. You got to say who, what is my problem, and whose job is it? Somewhere, someone must have the job of solving my problem. This is yeah. how I think. So, like. I want to talk to Evander Kane. Why? Because he has a clothing line out and he'll be looking to do press. Okay. Well, whose job is it to make sure that Evander Kane would hear about this? Not the Oilers, because they will never, ever help. No. But these people have their own representation. And if they don't have an agent, they're available through the alumni. If they're not available through the alumni, they're available on social media. If they're somebody you want to talk to, there are things you can do to make yourself appealing to them, like raise money for a charity they care about. Yeah. And know that if it's hard to track down um, Matt Hendricks, everybody else isn't going to be willing to do it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But it's like working from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. on Saturdays. It's like if someone's willing to do it, that person now has their foot in the door. If you go to the trouble of tracking down Matt Hendricks on the side of a mountain because he's abandoned modern technology. Remember when, you know, probably don't remember this, but Ricky Williams retired from the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't see him for years. Like, no one knew where the fuck he was. And then someone found him living in Australia in a tent in, like, a hippie commune. And so I think it was Sports Illustrated did a story, and it was like, we found Ricky Williams. <laughs> He's in Australia. He's living in a tent. And I remember just thinking like, man, the writer that found Ricky Williams on the side of that mountain really deserves a trophy. Like oh, that yeah. was not an easy thing to figure out. No. We can all learn from that Sports Illustrated writer. There we go. There well, we go. Well, this has been two and a half hours of fantastic conversation. Good, buddy. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, we only talk every six years. Next time I talk to you, you'll be a lead correspondent on ESPN. <laughs> All right, if you say so. The Oilers game begins in five minutes. So you've timed it perfectly. Yes, I've got the uh, Jets game ready to go on the old radio broadcast. And then, yeah, we're watching this thing on TSN tonight. So this let's give her, baby. Well. Yeah. Good on you, man. Well, yeah. if there's anything we can do to be helpful, please let us know. Yes, I will be annoyingly emailing Bag Milk in the uh, coming weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't let I've... no broads tell you what you can or can't be. That's oh, my closing words. Those broads can't tell me nothing because I got my <laughs> mind on riches and not vagina. <laughs> <laughs> We're sports reporters. We don't know what vagina is. No. Yeah, we got to do the wrong business for talking to women. We'll close it on a high note. All right. Well, you have All a right, great buddy. night. Take care. And uh, may the Oilers and Jets win tonight. Go Jets, go. Go Jets, go. Peace. Peace.